Welcome to Free Talk Live. The phones are open and you can join the show here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can join us online, of course, anytime you like. Over at freetalklive.com, we have a variety of features that are waiting for you over there, and they're all free. Unlike a lot of talk show hosts that want to charge you for their websites, we do it for free over at freetalklive.com. Here tonight, it's Ian and Aria. Uh, so I, I, we did not have any plan to do this. This was kind of a last-minute thing. Yeah. You shot me a message late this afternoon saying that you were inspired for some reason, to watch this yeah, new... Yeah, I read an article. This You watched this new Velma cartoon, or you attempted uh, to watch the new Velma cartoon. And yeah, every now and then we do a little pop culture uh, commentary here on Free Talk Live. What got me intrigued was that th- there was a suggestion that, like, nobody likes it. Like, people, really? on the le- people on the right are upset because it's this woke nonsense, right? And people on the left are upset about it for... <laughs> Actually, kind of similar reasons, but from the opposite perspective. Hmm. And then, of course, you have Scooby-Doo fans who were upset about it because it's got nothing to do with Scooby-Doo. Except that they lifted the characters yeah. from Scooby-Doo. So I was like, all right, I I need to watch this because it sounds like a train wreck. And if everyone agrees that it's terrible, I want to know if it's actually terrible. <laughs> and who is right here? And Is I, everyone I right? From what I can tell, yeah, sort of everyone's, everyone's <laughs> right. It, it's bad in all sorts of ways. It's a nonstop train wreck. There's nothing good about it. I, I laughed on one occasion. I also laughed on one occasion. And was that when like she went dark? I was like, I don't saw mysteries anymore. And no, then, that didn't make me see, Because that was just so predictable that I, saw, that I laughed that that expectation was fulfilled. I only laughed. The only scene I laughed at, there was a scene. So it takes place at a high school, of course, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I only uh, laughed at the scene in the bathroom where the toilet keeps flushing as Daphne oh, that was is trying good, to talk. Yeah. That was the only... That was the only part that got a laugh out loud for me. And it wasn't a really loud one. It was just like, <laughs> okay. Yeah, a chuckle. that. The jokes didn't seem to be very well written, if they, if there were any jokes no. at all. It was a lot of poking fun. It, it, I don't I don't know who it was trying to make laugh. Right. It seemed to me to be this sort of within minutes of starting this thing. You can it, the wokeness is like with like you told me on offline that or off the show that you stopped watching after a minute just because it seemed to already have been fulfilling what people were saying about it yes. as far as the woke aspect. Uh, but then you had messaged me and I said, well, I'm already eight minutes into it because I didn't tell you I was going to watch it. Right. I just uh, started watching it. And so you then picked it up again. So we both seen the first episode in full, right? Yes. Okay. There's uh, like 30 seconds left in the first episode that I didn't watch, but it's like nothing's going to dr- be dramatically different. There's in the another last dead 30 body seconds. that shows up at the okay. in the last 30 seconds. Um, so what I was going to say was first thing that really struck me with this was that it's going to be one of those things that does not age well because it's loaded with pop culture references. They're like naming actors and stars and referencing, right. you know, other things that are very sort of timely, you know, Oh, well, blah, 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 Don Cheadle. And, you know, like star names and things like that. It's like, okay, well, you know, if you go back and you watch, I presume, right? Like I haven't seen an episode of uh, Scooby-Doo in quite a while, but I'm guessing they're probably not referencing old 50s uh, stars very often in Scooby-Doo, right? Like, I'm assuming not. It's just kids trying to solve a mystery. <laughs> you know, somebody that gets their mask pulled off at the end. It's formulaic, yes. Everybody knows that about 
uh, about well, it's a kid's Scooby-Doo. show. Well, yeah. so, I mean, it's and kind of is formulaic. Not, right? This is not a kid's show. It is definitively not a kid's show, but it's an adult show in that it has very crude language, with sexual content, Even all of that stuff. cartoon but, nudity uh, at the very beginning of the show. Yeah, and as they point out, this is one of the things I did not like about it immediately, is that it points out that you know they have gratuitous nudity in mm-hmm. all of these shows, and it's, it's solely to appeal to people's base instincts and to get higher ratings and all of that. But that doesn't stop them from including the nudity. And at one point, right. it's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. They're doing the thing that they're making fun of. But, like, that's... It wasn't even that's funny, really, No, that's really cheap. And South Park was doing it, like, 25 years ago. South Park's a, actually a funny show. Yeah, and <laughs> they were actually funny when they did it. And I bet you if we went back to the pilot episode of South Park, we'd probably get more than one chuckle. Uh, oh, one. I'm sure we would. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I would anymore, because... it. It was very reliant on like toilet humor back then, mm-hmm. and I find that significantly less funny today than I did when I was like twelve or okay, whatever. Sure, but I, I imagine there's still some laughs somewhere I, in there. I still probably well, again, the one joke that made me laugh was literally <laughs> toilet humor in this episode. Okay. So I'm not too I'm not too highfalutin on that issue. I don't was it? I mean, yes, a toilet was involved in that, but like it wasn't <laughs> toilet humor, right? It was that it was, is the definition of toilet humor: <laughs> a toilet flushing in the background of a scene. Is the only comedy that really appealed to me in this whole thing. But it could have just about been anything. It could have just been one of them like repeatedly coughing and it would have had probably the same effect. Or was it, it the fact have. that it was a toilet flushing it, that made it that much more ridiculous? It, I mean, it might have if somebody was coughing, but it's funnier because it's a toilet. Okay. It's, it's just funnier. <laughs> Fair enough, uh, I and guess. That's, that's me giving as much credit to this show as I possibly can, right? And there's not much credit to uh, to give here. No, they they make they hit all of the high notes of what you would expect from a woke show. They mm-hmm. they make fun of the, the rich dude who can get away with murder. They make fun of the popular girl who's pretty. The they're the gratuitous lesbian. Apparently, Daphne has lesbian parents now. I, Cop parents, yes. and I didn't yep. see any. Like that didn't bring anything to the show. It was just there to be there, and, no. and that's what the issue. And there's with no Hulk- explanation for why the cops show up at the end and shoot the person that they they shoot. I mean, I'm I'm not going to give spoilers here, well, but there sh- there is a very quick explanation. But it's one of yeah. those blink and you miss it kind of oh, things. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, I, I totally missed it. They thought the guy there, the black guy, mm-hmm. was a package thief. Oh, I see. And then that's they found out that they up. knew him, and yeah, Got that it. was how that ended up playing uh, out. Because you know, that's the yeah. that's more of that wokeism. Oh, he's black; yeah. he must be a package thief. And and that's supposed to be Shaggy, right? Yes, the black guy the, who hates okay. drugs. He says, right? Yeah, yeah. So Norville says, Shaggy yeah. apparently is his name. Right. So, is there going to be a talking dog that shows up in this show in later episodes, or is that uh, is Scooby Doo just completely written out? Because you know. For, Obviously, it does not show up in the first episode. This is uh, her saying that she's going to tell her story about how she put together the gang. It wasn't Fred. It wasn't uh, Daphne. It was her. Right. And I, I don't know. I don't see how. And I, I, I completely I'm not a big fan of Scooby-Doo or anything like Me that. Neither. Right? But Me neither. Bonnie says she is. I, I can see why these Scooby-Doo Which fans are she upset. Refused to, she refused to watch this. Yeah, show. it's got no loyalty to the source material, other than the fact that the characters were lifted from the same series. But I don't see any pathway from the episode that I watched tonight to a show that features a talking dog. <laughs> it's it's so far removed from that sort of silly, mm-hmm. yeah. fantasy, surreal type of comedy yeah, that I, I don't know how they get there. If they introduced I'm a talking mildly- dog to this, it would just... It would be out of place. I am mildly curious 
about how they get there, but not curious enough to subject myself to further episodes of this thing. And that's assuming they're ever going to get there. Maybe they never actually bring up the fact that there's a talking dog in the Scooby-Doo shows. They just carry on with one episode from the next and she builds her mystery solving team, but it never even mentions the fact that, you know, there was a talking dog. Well, was he talking? He, he made noises. Or was uh, Shaggy the only one who could hear him? And that's, that's true. Maybe the Scooby-Doo series is Shaggy's version of the story, Does and this Scooby-Doo, is Velma's. Now, I mean, Bonnie's sitting in the studio. She's not technically on the show uh, tonight. Are there episodes of Scooby-Doo where the rest of the team can communicate with Scooby? I don't, I'm don't. i not a big enough fan, so I don't remember that happening. I remember hearing that it was always only Shaggy. Uh, I mean, you can nod if you want, or you can come on. It's up. It's up to you. But hang on, she's coming in here. All right, here she is. I'm pretty sure that all of them talk to him and he answers and they aren't like, oh my God, he understood or anything like that. But so, he re- doesn't really make, uh, actually say things except for like, rut row. He doesn't mm. even say Scooby Snacks. Yeah, he's not like Brian from Family Guy or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't like carry on intelligent conversation. He, he, as Bonnie said, I think he says rut row. Well, well okay, and later though, they, they bring in his uh, nephew, right? And doesn't he have full lines, Scrappy? Oh, Scrappy does talk, yeah. He does have full lines, Scrappy definitely right? does. Yeah, I just so, don't remember if the humans talk to yeah, him. I don't I don't either. I don't know. All right, so Bonnie's not a big enough fan. She doesn't uh, doesn't remember <laughs> the important question. I was just a big fan as a little kid, I and see. I watched them all a couple Halloweens ago. But you the oldest ones, the oldest ones. Wow, how many? And they don't have. I thought there were like decades yeah. of Scooby Doo yeah. episodes. There must well, be hundreds. Not, of them. I didn't mean all of them, but I okay. meant I watched all of the ones that I liked. I see. Fair enough. So, uh, yeah, definitely seemed woke. But I, I'm curious to hear more about the leftist critique. I mean, the right-wing critique is predictable. Yeah. I mean, I don't have to look at their, their news stories to see or their opinion pieces to see what they're going to say about this. And it fills those critiques. It definitely meets those uh, those woke kind of expectations. It does, but I don't even mind woke, right? Like the BBC Merlin series was about as woke as a show could get. It was Velma, but... Mm-hmm. Not quite as on the nose with some of its social justice cues, but it was still completely woke with a black mm-hmm. actress playing Guinevere and all of these other little woke talking points thrown in there. But I, I love the show. It was fine. But there's something about Velma that just isn't a good show in addition to being woke. Mm-hmm. And I do have an article here from Vice. I thought it was Forbes for some reason, but it's like, oh, okay, no, Vice I'm, is definitely no, I'm looking a leftist. At, I'm looking at a completely different article at the moment. Sorry, I've got too much show prep pulled up. The article I have about... Uh, uh, Velma being woke, it is actually from Forbes. Okay. But I have to find it now. But Okay, but what did you find about the left critiquing this as well? Was the left upset about it being woke? That wouldn't make much sense. Well, in their article, they didn't specify, they didn't break it down in like, these are the rights criticisms mm-hmm. and these are the left's criticism the article does feature them but i'd have to dig okay. through it again in so order it's all to in the forbes them. piece okay well yeah, yeah let's well, hear what they have and i say. don't know to what extent it really said that it really gave examples of how mm-hmm. people on the left were upset but it pointed it out okay so right. the first two episodes of velma have arrived on hbo max and they have indeed by the way i recently canceled all of those streaming services that i had and oh it, good for you i know you were saying it was really expensive it was it turned out to be about 96 dollars a month on wow. streaming services that's literally yeah. what people used to pay for cable yeah you know so i canceled all of them and then mm-hmm. i systematically went back through and why well, didn't systematically go back through i've reinstated the ones that i needed to use and so okay. far i have hbo max and hulu all right and that's been and i don't see any reason I mean, should that, that would, be more than enough to I suspect watch that's more than enough right. yeah i don't see myself ever reinstating these others and that, that takes it down to like 
$12 a month or something yeah. like that. Something significantly more reasonable. Okay. But these episodes of Velma haven't really impressed critics, but audience reviews, those are brutal. Currently, Velma mm. is reviewing with a very poor for HBO Max, 50% from critics. All right. And has only 9% from hundreds of audience scores. That's pretty brutal. Yeah, I don't know that I would score it that low. I think I'd probably give it a 30, maybe. 30 out of 100, maybe. I don't know. I'd, I'd want to see the second episode before I could really make a... Um, before you hop in and say, review. well, this is people review bombing the show because it's made the cast more diverse. That's kind of one of the weirdest things here. Velma seems like it's upsetting both sides of its potential audience. Sure, there will be the usual... It's down to 6% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't know if it was at 9%, but it's at 6 now. That's rough because this article from Forbes down at the bottom, it does have an update saying, you know, more time has passed since we wrote this and it hasn't gotten any better. Now it's down to 6%. And you're saying now it's down to... I mean, now it's down to 7% was what they said. Yeah, yeah. So it's gone from 7% to 6% since they updated the article. So people are saying it's made the cast more diverse. I can't imagine too many people who actually are going to watch. Care about that? Well, people on the right who are upset because oh no, there aren't as many white people on TV or whatever. They're upset, but I suspect that's a very small minority. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like to me, I don't. That doesn't bother me at all. I don't care if you change the color of the Little Mermaid. It doesn't bother me in the least. It's a fictional character. You can make them whatever (laughs) color you want to. Um, I think it's. It could be kind of fun. Maybe what they're going to do with the Norberg character. What was his name? Uh, Norville. Norville. Norberg's from uh, the, uh, uh, what is it? The Naked Gun series. That's what I was He was O.J. Okay. Simpson's character in the Naked Gun series. Anyway, Norville, I'm going to predict that he's anti-drug now, but he becomes shaggy later as he discovers marijuana. He's, I don't know if he's in, he mentions college. I don't know if he's in college yet because they're the, all in high school, right? The episode he's in takes, her math class. Oh, is he in the class? I didn't I didn't remember. Yeah, they, that. he gets tutoring from her or something like that, and she wants to stop the tutoring, so he okay. wants to just send her his answers, and she will correct them. It's in the back. It, they didn't I go totally into didn't specifics, but they did allude to it. All right, I didn't pick that up. So yeah, I think he's he's planning to go to college. or Whatever. My prediction is. If they're going to stay true to the original, he has to become Shaggy at some point, right? Because he's he's obviously that character. He wears the green shirt. And so right now he's straight edge. But I think something's going to happen to him where, unless they play him straight edge throughout the whole series, which wouldn't make much sense. That's what I like about how they, the, the one thing I do like about it is that Velma was like, this is my version of the story, right? Mm-hmm. This is... This is her take on right. these on these Scooby Doo mythos. Uh, that was someone else's take. It's someone else's version. Maybe Fred's or Daphne's or whoever. Shaggy was this pot smoking white dude, mm-hmm. but in her version, he was this upstanding drug free person. Because remember, in the original show, they never actually showed him doing drugs. It was just sort of understood by yes. all the adults and stuff that you know he was smoking pot. But that original series that we all know and love, that's just someone else, some other character's interpretation of how mm-hmm. the show was. And we don't know who that was, but this is her interpretation. Right. So which one of those is the way Shaggy really was? Was he really this Norville <laughs> character or was he really the pot smoker? Was he something in between? I don't know. I, it's obviously a reimagining to some extent, right? Because right. Uh, like you said, whether there's going to be a talking dog show up uh, at some point will still remain to be seen uh, or... I think someone will get a dog, but I don't think it'll talk. And, mm. and I think it, the, the way the show was spin it was that that version of Scooby-Doo is some other character's take on the series. And when they t- say, this is my story, that's the story they tell. I don't know. But it'll, it'll be interesting to see. It could be that uh, they're just having fun flipping the character of Shaggy into a straight-edge uh, person, but it could also be 
fun to see that person become shaggy and see that sort of dynamic change maybe i'm maybe we're just getting way too deep into uh what could happen and giving the show more credit than it deserves i don't know it's it's maybe. hard it's hard to be um you know it's hard to make a judgment based on the first episode right like if it is in a lot of cases first episodes of series you're just getting introduced to characters and they don't really have a chance to do much else so maybe there's I don't know. <sighs> yeah, in my experience, the first episodes of shows, they, they take like the first 10 minutes or so just mm-hmm. to introduce you to all the characters. And there sure. isn't a lot of plot development. The first uh, episode of Family Guy is really bad about this. It has all the characters come out and it sort of introduces what what role they're all going to play in the series. And it does this in like the first 10 minutes. And there's not a whole lot of laughs. And the first episode just mm-hmm. as a whole isn't very good. It doesn't speak to the genius and the hilarity that's going yeah. to come from Family Guy. And the same is true of South Park and American Dad and a bunch of other shows as well, where the first episode is just... they got to get their feet underneath them to yeah, some extent. it's establishing yeah. the set piece so you know what right. to expect. And that's what... That's if, why I say I might be willing to give it another try. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just like... If I have time, uh, I might watch the second episode, but like maybe that's why people waited until they had the second episode to really begin mm-hmm. weighing in on it, because we haven't seen it. But based on what everyone's saying, it's going to be more of this. Okay. But if you watch the show, it feels like it's almost making fun of shows that do diversity casting or social messaging. And it's This is what Forbes said? Yes. And it's not wrong in that note as well. Like it it, it, it seems self aware about that, yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't excuse it. No. And, and too many of these people think that it, it does excuse it. Like, ha ha ha, we're we're poking fun at how social justicey we are. Aren't we clever? Uh-huh. But we're meanwhile we're ultra social justicey. Right. It yeah, doesn't they're wearing excuse it like it. a badge at the same time for sure. Yeah, it's still it's still gross and it's still cringy. It's led what you might have assumed would be a more left-leaning fan base for the show to accuse creator Mindy Kaling. Yeah, before you go on on that, just further a further thought on on that. It's like, why do they have to call it out? Like, it's okay that Velma's a really smart Indian girl or whatever, the Middle Eastern girl. I think that's yeah. what she's supposed to be. But instead, they they have to spend narrative time explaining how she is and her friends and, and like the and how the thing. white dude thinks she's Mexican. Like that comes out repeatedly. <laughs> In the first episode of the show, and it's like, is there, is there really any point in the in spending so much time on this, except to create this narrative of a white person being able to tell the difference between yeah. a Hispanic person from Mexico and a Middle Eastern person? Because I've met and know people from the Middle East, and I've met it's and know Hispanics, yeah. yeah, and I've never had any difficulty right. saying, "Oh, you're you're you must be from <laughs> India," because. You're brown, I guess. No, that's not the well, way the anyone idea sees is the that world. Character is supposed to be stupid, so I guess that's why. But still, there's just so much um, exposition explaining the wokeness, and it's just it's not necessary. Yeah, absolutely. But people do have this impression that it's sort of making fun of wokeness, and that's why. Uh, the left-leaning fan base for the show is accusing creator Mindy Kaling of making it actually a somewhat conservative project. Oh, my God. As people cite past comments she's made and things like her liking recent J.K. Rowling tweets as oh, evidence no. of her personal views. Because <laughs> apparently, I mean, J.K. Rowling is a turf. There's very little doubt about that. Trans-exclusionary Radi- Trans-exclusionary radical, radical feminist. It's okay. these sort of... Um, Radical feminists, or these sort of feminists who think that trans women shouldn't count, right? Mm-hmm. And that they're hurting right. the feminist movement or whatever. I don't, I, if you're one of these people, you're welcome to call in and explain to us exactly what sure. you think, because I'm just basing my understanding of it based on what I've experienced. Now, isn't Mindy Kaling, uh, who's the producer, I guess one of the producers of this series, isn't she like a commie or something like that? I don't know a lot about her. I don't know a lot about her either. 
unfortunately. Mm. Apparently, the lefties aren't happy, so that's interesting. That that makes me like, hmm, what's really going on here? Above all else, it feels like the humor just is not connecting connecting for really any audience. And this that's was true. Yeah, this, I don't know who is it supposed to be making laugh, but like. Yeah. I've laughed more watching funerals. No, no that's not quite true. Because I did laugh once. Well, I mean, and I a, don't think I've ever laughed at a funeral. This isn't a monster show at this point, right? Like, And I, and I didn't think it was going to be. Um, this is a murder show at this point. There's a body that shows up at the high school. They're trying to figure out, or Vel- there's not even a they at this point. It's Velma is trying to figure out. Uh, who is behind it? She doesn't really successfully figure that out at the very end of the episode, and then another body shows up. So this is going to be a murder show, a murder mystery. Keeping in mind, I didn't see the second, uh, the second body. It also had the entire brain yeah. removed because that was the manner of or yeah, one same. of the features of the first death. Yes, exactly the same kind of uh, killing another high school girl. But I mean, as far as comedy is concerned, I get more laughs out of a scream movie than this. Yeah. Like, scream, an actual horror movie has a better sense of humor than this cartoon. Well, keep in mind, the original Scooby series also was not a monster show, right? Well, yeah, that's true. They're all people. They were all people, but it always had that narrative that the Mm. real monster is always a A human being. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so far, Velma is hitting all of those notes as well, just without the person wearing the... The The mask. Yeah. Yeah. Above all else, it feels like the humor... Okay. The show feels like it's trying to annoy anyone that watches it. I didn't mm. get that impression. I didn't feel like it was trying to annoy me. It was trying to make me laugh, mm-hmm. but it wasn't good at it. Yeah. it. It was what I would expect some ultra leftist, some woke person to write comedy as. Because I've seen some of these woke comedians put their clips on TikTok or YouTube or whatever. And they're like, this is going to make people laugh. And you watch and it's just cringy woke mm. talking points. <laughs> and it's like, I didn't hear anything in there that even remotely resembled a joke. Yeah. And that's what I got from Velma. Okay. And the Scooby-Doo IP almost seems secondary to the entire concept. Scooby-Doo has found great success over the years as both the kids' cartoon and with live-action movies. And while it's possible some adult animation version of the concept could have worked, this iteration seems to have rubbed all potential audiences the wrong way. This is a show that finally has Daphne and Velma share a kiss, which I don't. I, I either missed happen. that or it hasn't. Maybe, maybe it's an episode, episode two. Yeah. And yet, its potential liberal audience is writing it off because of how antagonistic it all feels. There's more of this coming up because I didn't get that particular impression, but they do get into some of the leftist reasons for hating the show. We're going to continue here, and if you want to weigh in on this or whatever happens to be on your mind, there's probably something in the news today, but honestly, I don't know what it is. Uh, The number here is 603-283-6160, but that's why it's an open phone show, so you can tell us what you think is important here on Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. Phones are open, and you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. We are weighing in, Aria and me, I'm Ian, uh, tonight on Velma, the new series from HBO Max, apparently, which I did just confirm, according to, uh, let's see, popbuzz.com and other sources, Scooby-Doo will not be appearing in Velma due to various different things. Number one, apparently... He just wasn't being uh, Warner Brothers, which owns HBO Max, as I understand it. Right. Time Warner is aren't they all tied in together? Um, They wouldn't license Scooby-Doo, but further 
they felt like Scooby-Doo was a, you know, what makes the original thing a kid's show. And so therefore they were happy about the decision to not being able to to license Scooby-Doo. So no Scooby-Doo. That's very much what I would expect. But I also would expect at some point uh, Shaggy uh, Norville Mm -hmm. is probably going to get a dog of some type Mm. and it's going to have a name similar to Scoob or Scooby. I don't know what they're going okay, to call something it. Something else. Hmm. But I think in order to have any, and it's only very tentatively connected to this Scooby-Doo show in the first place, but in order to maintain just that loose connection, they do have to have a dog of some sort. I guess we'll, well, maybe we won't see. But <laughs> It doesn't have to be obviously, because you don't want a little kid to watch this and be like, oh, why can't I watch this show with mommy? It's Scooby-Doo, right? So you do want to have some some wall of separation where if, if some kid yeah, this sees isn't this, a kid's show for sure. Yeah, if some kid sees a screenshot of this Velma online, they're mm-hmm. not going to go, "Oh, that's Velma from Scooby Doo. I should watch this show." Right? You don't want that. So you wouldn't want the Scooby Doo from the show Velma to be identifiable immediately as Scooby Doo, but you would want it to be a dog of some sort. I, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to go there. I think they've got to. Well, maybe they can't. I don't think they have to. But it's at all. stupid because Warner Brother, the whole streaming thing is stupid. There was an article recently that I ended up not bringing in, but it was about how Warner Brother, it was the Bugs Bunny shows. They mm-hmm. wouldn't relicense their own shows to their own streaming platform <laughs> for X amount of money or whatever. And it was it was such a confusing bureaucratic. They were demanding more money from themselves. Yes, that that was pretty much exactly <laughs> it. And it's like. It's completely insane. Wow. This is corporations. This is what government has done to yeah, the world. Is yeah. that this company is demanding more money for itself in order to make more money, and somehow any of that made sense. Uh, one fan online, according to PopBuzz.com, says Velma is so bad. How do you make Scooby Doo without Scooby Doo? Another said, without Scooby, it's just a random teen murder show. See, I don't mind any of that in and of itself, though. I'm not- I don't mind Scooby-Doo not being a prominent character. I do think it would be a good idea, as I've said, and I'm not going to keep rehashing this, but I do think they need to introduce a doll character. It, it can be a minor character. Maybe Orville... No, I keep calling him Orville. Maybe he's got a dog, and that's that's all that's ever said about it. Mm. Or maybe uh, he'll hallucinate a dog later when he finally stops being straight edge and turns into Shaggy. I don't know. It's possible. But the absence of Scooby-Doo and, I mean, the degrees of separation from the Scooby-Doo mystery show for kids... Mm. That doesn't bother me at all. I mean, you can make an adult, just like the BBC series of Merlin. It was completely divorced from Merlin, as I understand, from The Once and Future King by T.H. White, which was completely divorced from whatever mythology he drew it from, going all the way back to the Middle Ages. And, and as long I, as it's yeah. good, who cares? I mean, only only true fanatics care about you know being appropriate to the source material or sticking with the source 100 percent. that's only a true fan uh, and that's why i like bonnie's perspective on this because the vast majority of these people i would speculate are not true fans of scooby-doo these people meaning the people people? who are criticizing velma for not being true to the source material Mm. or whatever they're not they're not diehard scooby-doo fans right they're not they might be I suspect some of them are, but most of them, I think, are not. And I realize that's just speculation, but wow. I don't think there are the super fans out there who are upset about it not being like like the Little Mermaid thing all over again. A lot of these, well, it's not true to the source material, and that upsets me as a fan. Of, but were you really a fan of the Little Mermaid until they made the Little Mermaid black and you had mm, something to be upset about? Care, yeah. yeah. Uh, according to ScreenRant.com, they're saying season two has already been confirmed at HBO Max despite the recent backlash 
which is surprising. I mean, this thing has been panned from apparently both the left and the right. And I, I don't know how surprising it is. Uh, HBO has said that it's their most watched show, and it sort of gets into the Streisand really? effect. It is their most watched premiere or something like that. It's Amazing. But it's because... Like, I've never watched one of their premieres. This is the first yeah. HBO original I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. So they did something right. If the goal is to get people to, to eyeballs into HBO Max, then they succeeded. They got people out, yeah. I reactivated my HBO account recently. I would not have done so to watch Velma, Velma mm-hmm. I don't think. I did it to watch Doctor Who. But mm. maybe some people will keep their subscription because they just got to see this train wreck go on. They just got to see how it ends. Was there more that you wanted to share from Forbes? There's a little bit more. Uh, I wish they got into the specifics of what criticisms people on the left have. Uh, they, they, They do get into one. Let me find it here. It's a tweet they shared from somebody. And I am pulling it up now. I'm happy. Mindy Kaling's style of writing brown girls that hate themselves wasn't around when I was younger and only became a thing when I was at the age where I loved my heritage and skin color. I can't imagine being young and already self-conscious and then seeing that portrayal. So apparently... Oh, they're saying it's not uplifting enough. They're saying that the, that Velma criticized herself a lot or, mm-hmm. or, did, or whatever, portrayed herself negatively for being an Indian girl or a brown character, whatever she was. I, I didn't ask what her ethnicity was, and I didn't pay close enough attention to find out. But mm. I think you said she was supposed to be from India? I don't know if it's India, but she's clearly from the Middle East or India or somewhere out there. I okay. mean, her her dad is is very dark. And to uh, be fair, gentleman. to be fair to that, a lot of people can't tell the difference between someone from Pakistan and someone from India. So that, that's not a white people thing. Like they, the countries are yeah. next to each other. People, we're not right. being racist for saying that. <laughs> that's right. I mean, there will be people out there. It's like you can't tell the difference between a Middle Eastern and an Indian. But like, dude, have you been to Pakistan or India or the Valley or the Kashmir Valley? I mean, I'm going to defend what the show could become. You know, it could very well be that this character, right, in in series, they have a lot of time to do things, right? It's not yeah. just a movie. You don't just have an hour and a half. You've got an entire series to go through, at least a season, maybe now two, where you may see this main character go through the change of being this self-hating, you know, oh, I'm a dork and no one likes me to being a confident uh, nerd or whatever, right? Like, knowing that she's good at solving mysteries and becoming, uh, you know, really, really confident with herself towards the end of the season or towards the end of the series. And so this person who's criticizing, oh, well, she should already be a strong Indian girl right from day one. Maybe that's not the intention of the show's creators. Maybe they want to. Maybe they want to have a dynamic character that doesn't start out as a winner or doesn't start out as the, you know, the, the, the top the top sleuth in the town or whatever but then becomes that you're right and i took issue with her being considered a dork or unpopular because she was weird or whatever because this is the definition of an informed attribute for those who don't know this is a characteristic that a character in a show is repeatedly said to have Mm. like they're repeatedly said that she's very dorky she's very weird she's very nerdy all of these but she never does anything that's weird or nerdy or dorky it's just an informed attribute. We, we, she's only nerdy because other characters in the show routinely call her. It's like Worf and Star Trek. No, he was never actually very tough. He never did anything tough or did anything very strong. But 
everyone in the show always called him the biggest, toughest, best fighter we got, but mm-hmm. he was never any of those things. It's just an informed attribute, and that's how she is with being nerdy. I don't know. She's uh, she's into math. She's into solving mysteries. I mean, she wears glasses. What more do you need? But wearing glasses is <laughs> maybe is considered nerdy, you know, in some ways. But I didn't see anything in there. I mean. She wasn't talking about her Dungeons and Dragons club or the latest <laughs> World of Warcraft expansion or any of these other things that could have been nerdy. She mm. just she did talk about solving mysteries because her mother was a mystery novelist, from what I understood. Mm-hmm. But that was that was and look, if your mother's a mystery novelist, it kind of makes sense that you would enjoy mysteries. But this was also something that she just did with her mother. As they, she did ultimately go out and start looking for mysteries otherwise, but the way they portrayed it, her mother would create little mysteries for her to solve. And maybe that's a little nerdy, but it also stays at home as she was friends with the popular girl through all of this. So she was popular prior to two years before the show started. Mm. And it wasn't until her mother died when she became presumably secluded and a bit withdrawn, as one probably will when their mother dies. But it's just an informed attribute. I never saw anything nerdy or dorky out of her. And if you want to portray a nerdy, nerdy or dorky character, I'm fine with that. But you have to actually make them nerdy and dorky. And I didn't get that from her. I'm hmm. um, just looking here at another story here from the uh, NY Post with other people's opinions oh, about this. Oh, that's my phone. I had to turn on notifications earlier for reasons I don't want to get into. So now my phone's making noise. Sorry about that. Another observer says, very current year, this culture sucks so bad. And the comment of very current year sort of echoes my thoughts from the first few minutes where they're just constantly referencing popular culture. And it's like, to me, that's my least favorite kind of comedy. I just don't think it's funny to make jokes about Hollywood stars and things like that. It just seems so... I don't know. Like, they weren't even trying very hard. And as you mentioned, it dates the piece. It dates it. It it by definition means it cannot be timeless. And that's one of the things about the original Scooby-Doo is that it is timeless. You can pull up any of the episodes from the 60s or 70s or whenever it was made, because I don't know. And it won't feel dated in the way that, you know. This is going to. 20 years from now. If anyone ever goes back to this 20 years from now, you're not going to get the jokes. Yeah, and the same is true of like the Scream movies, right? All of the references to, I don't know, or the scary movie. It it dates it. Yep, that's true. That's true. And Uh, as you point out, it's also generally not very funny. It's it's almost like toilet humor. It's just such low-hanging fruit. But they weren't. I mean, toilet hanger, toilet humor would at least be funny in certain certain circumstances, and this didn't even have that. And the jokes all fell flat. I mean, it was just all social commentary and uh, speaking to current popular culture. I mean, that really was the the mass of the jokes in this in this show. One of the only things that I could really identify even as a joke, because there were there were things in there that I could tell were supposed to be humorous, but nothing that really struck out stuck out as a joke was Norville saying at one point that he he liked Velma. He had a crush on her and all of this other stuff. He just repeatedly misunderstood it as him telling a joke, him trying to be funny. Mm -hmm. And there was nothing funny about it because one, it, it's tragic for someone to pour their heart out to someone else. And, and have them think they're joking. Yeah, and have it just be completely ignored like that. That's not funny at all, but it's also no one's that dense. No one could mm-hmm. possibly, and it's not, it doesn't circle around so to being so dense that it's absurd. And that that's what makes it funny. It's just, she's just being dense and the, there's no joke there. It's an mm-hmm. attempt at a joke, but it's very dull and very boring and, 
I didn't find the episode unpleasant. I wasn't offended, certainly. It was just boring. It was just like, okay, what are we going to do something interesting? Yeah, it existed. You know, if it was playing in the background while I was, I don't know, playing World of Warcraft or insert whatever game, I w- that mm-hmm. doesn't require me to actually listen and pay attention. I wouldn't necessarily change it. Mm. The thing is, what I found was if I was doing... There was something, I picked up my phone at some point to, I don't know, send a message to you, and then I realized I hadn't been paying enough attention to what was going on, and I didn't really know what had happened on the screen at that point. So I don't think you can really put this show in the background, because you do need to pay attention to see what's going on. You told me a couple of things tonight that I didn't even notice had happened in the show, uh, and I did watch it for the most part. You probably watched it more closely than I did. Without distracting myself. Because as we mentioned, I did put it down after I made it in because Mm -hmm. I had read the reviews and, you know, they're like, oh, it's just this woke nonsense. And I was like, well, that's what they say about everything. Yeah. So that's interesting. So the people on the right are saying it's woke and the people on the left are saying it's not woke enough. (laughs) Basically, it's so far. Yeah. They're like, you know, she's portraying, you know, brown kids as. You know, hating themselves for being brown is really good. That, look, I, no, she's just portraying this one brown kid who doesn't have enough self-esteem, which is not uncommon for a girl in high school, right? Right. Yeah. Or Certainly. anyone in high school, but for it, that matter. But it can't really be that way. It should be portrayed that way, but it's not because they make such a big deal of the skin colors of the characters. They make a huge deal of the fact yeah. that Fred is white. They which repeat, is annoying. Yeah. So it can't just be, this is the one Indian girl who has this characteristic. He can't just be funny because he's stupid. Right. He has to be white and stupid, right? Which is tragic because it is funny when people are stupid. That would actually be funny. Make the guy stupid, but Mm -hmm. he's not stupid. He's he's oblivious in in a way that is meant to be racist and... Sure, you can make a, a racist guy who's funny. I, I'm sure plenty of shows have done that. I struggle to think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure there's countless shows out there who have a racist guy. And it's funny that he's racist, but he's not that. He's stupid in ways that are only racist. Like he can't remember mm. this girl's name right. because because she's brown. He's not stupid and racist. He's racist. I don't know how to say that. They try to paint him as though he's stupid, but yet he kind of explains too much. About himself. He's, he's too self-aware to be as stupid as they want him to be, or at least that's sort of the impression that I got about him. Like, at one point, he just sort of explains toward the end of the uh, the episode about how he's supposed to be like his father, and, you know, he's supposed to look this way, but he doesn't look... And he just gets a little bit... It's too speechy for what is supposed to be a stupid character. Yeah, he is very preachy. That was him, you know, basically having hairless legs or whatever mm-hmm. and being... A, a sissy, I guess. I mean, he wasn't the big, strong man that his dad wanted him yeah. to be. and It was all very weird. And it is weird. He wasn't stupid in any of those ways. You're absolutely right. He was relatively intelligent, but mm-hmm. he was just racist, and this caused him to be stupid. And they diagnosed him as having this disease of, what they called it, rudeness, where he can't remember people's names or however they said. And uh, was that disease rudeness? And he's like, yes, it was, actually. Thank you. I don't know if I got that he was racist, per se. Like, I didn't see him being Chris Cantwell or something like that. He wasn't That's true. That's just an anno- for- That's a really good point. That's another informed attribute. He never mm-hmm. said or did anything that was racist. They just kept calling him racist. I don't remember them using that term. They may not have used the word racist. I don't know. I'd have to rewatch it now because yeah. 
They certainly did do portray that. it. Don't rewatch it. <laughs> well, I'll watch episode two. At yeah, some I would. Point. I'd be willing to watch the second episode just to give, just to see if they go anywhere else or expand beyond what, what they've currently done. And I think they might. I think they might. I am curious to see what happens to see if the other character Nordberg or whatever becomes sh- uh, Shaggy at some point. I really wish he had a different name because I struggled to remember Norval. Norval I keep wanting to call right. him Norbert yeah, or yeah. Orville or whatever. So uh, that's, I think, one of the, the bigger questions for me. Just one of the curiosities that I have about the show. But was there more from uh, Forbes, or should we move on to uh, some more We can stuff? move on. They didn't really have anything too interesting to say further about it. And they, yeah. they did point out, as we said, that it had 9% initially when they wrote this article. Mm-hmm. And then they updated it later to say 7%. And now this you're is Rotten saying, Tomatoes score. And now you're saying Rotten Tomatoes has it listed as 6%. So it's not improving. No. And I think... I don't think scores of 1% or 0 or whatever these people are giving it, it's helpful. I, I don't think they're honest reviews. I think it's just them trying to be jerks or trying to make a point or whatever. Well, the strange thing is you can't even see any reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Normally you see like critics reviews and audience reviews and that sort of thing, and I'm, I'm not even seeing that. They may so. have paused it because that's a, what a lot of companies do when they get review bombed oh. is they pause it and they hide all reviews because it's not... maybe. I mean, Maybe HBO's paying them or something like that. Well, it could be, but I wouldn't. If I had a review site, I wouldn't want to be responsible for a good show failing because it upset a bunch of Republicans. Well, right? apparently everybody's upset about this. They this are. Show. It, it does seem to be the case that they are, and for good reason. It is woke nonsense, and it's not funny in being woke nonsense. And then it does apparently go the other direction. You can't be funny and be and be woke nonsense, right? Like, I mean, the the old joke is the left can't meme. And there's something to that. Like, I don't know why it is, but these people, they it seems to be the more woke they are, the less of a sense of humor that they have. Because, I mean, look at the, the chat GPT that we were talking about the other night. It is prohibited by its quote-unquote ethics rules from cracking a joke that could possibly offend well, if you want to have a good joke, it could possibly offend. That's generally the rule with humor is that there's supposed to be some sort of a target. There's somebody that's being picked on. There's some sort of a, a victim, quote unquote, of the humor. That's generally a, a truth about uh, humor. And so like when you ask Chad GPT to write a joke, it gives you the lamest like elementary school kind of joke that you can possibly get. That's right. Uh, Bonnie asked it to make a joke about Cartman or something to that effect or to make give it a South Park joke. I don't remember what she asked it, but the joke was, why did Cartman cross the road? And the answer was, so he could meme himself or something like that. That was ChatGPT's oh, joke, and it was, it was so awful. Okay, I just asked it to write a joke, and it gave me the exact same joke that it did the last time I asked it to write a joke, which is, why was the math book sad? Because it had too many problems. I mean, that's literally something you would hear in kindergarten. I mean, ha ha. That, that is a joke. It, it's too <laughs> stupid. Yeah, it's too obvious and not not good to be funny. But I, it is a, it's joke. a joke. But can you ask it to write a better joke? <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not do it on the air uh, because it's bad. It's yeah. it's it's completely crippled. From being funny, which is what wokeness does to comedy. It cripples their options of things to have fun with because some people can't take a joke and it, and they, these woke people don't want to offend anyone. So they just don't tread into territory that could possibly be funny. I mean, you go back to old movies. Bonnie and I were watching 
the Naked Gun series recently and Police Squad, which was the original series that uh, inspired the Naked Gun series. Have you seen these movies? I have not. Oh, wow. Uh, so Zucker, Abrams, Zucker, these were like the the kings of sort of slapstick, hilarious, throw it up against the wall, see if it sticks kind of comedy. It just okay. There's some of the funniest movies. Airplane is one of their movies. Uh, I'm familiar with Airplane. I've never seen it, but yeah. I understand the basic concepts and the, and the style of humor that it has. And these movies could not come out today. They, no, they certainly just, not. They could not come out today. There's so many jokes at the quote-unquote expense of somebody, usually being delivered by or being uh, accepted by somebody who is of the you know the race or, or the gender or whatever right. that is being made fun of because those people could take a joke. Those people could understand that they were part of something that was funny even though they themselves were being made fun of, right? Like it's yeah. okay to be in that role and wokeism has completely eliminated that. It has and it's sad but we're not exaggerating when we say that the left has no sense of humor or that wokeism has no sense of humor. You can find, I'm in a lot of the, well, I've seen a lot of these groups on Facebook, these trans S posting crap posting groups that exist on Facebook. And for those who don't know, I'm a bit of a troll. I'm a bit mm-hmm. of a crap poster on the internet. Okay. I know how to do these things. And it's, it's where you post nonsense to make people laugh. And a lot of it can be very, very, very offensive. And it's, it's funny. However, when you see these, these LGBTQ crap posters, and they're trying to crap post this. It's just like a screed. Here, here's 47 paragraphs of something, or you, the left has... That's the thing. The left can't meme. There's a stereotype of leftist memes of just being just mountains of text that's not funny mm-hmm. to read, and that certainly exists. It's the, true to some extent. The crap posting that I've seen, it's not at all crap posting, and you can go on to TikTok or YouTube or whatever video platform you want and look for woke comedians. They won't call themselves woke and you, mm. you don't want to find a, a video presented from a conservative or a right winger on the subject. Find an actual woke comedian though and watch some of their clips and just count how many times you left or, or groan or study what they consider a joke to be mm. because nothing they say in there is remotely funny. I've never yeah. laughed watching any of these people, and I've spent some time watching some of these people. Yeah, and it's just there's nothing funny about it. I don't think you necessarily have to be offensive. Like you don't have to go up on stage to make racist jokes in order to be funny. No. And, and you really you shouldn't do that. And but it can be funny if done correctly. Okay, right. You're absolutely correct about that. You know, you go back to old uh, comedians and. There were the comedians who were particularly crass, and then there were comedians that weren't crass. They could, you know, you could have, like, your kids watch. So, for instance, Bill Cosby, all right? Aside from what he's been alleged to have done uh, from a sexual whatever, all that stuff. Well, he never did any of that on stage. He was funny. But he was also pretty clean as yep. far as his comedy was concerned. You look he at, was the uh, ultimate dad. Right. You look at Bob Saget, uh, who was clean on his show, uh, The Full House, but it was actually a very dirty comic from what I understand. You look at Andrew Dice Clay, again, a very dirty uh, kind of comic. But you didn't have to be racist or particularly dirty to be funny. But that said, uh, Bill Cosby, one of his most popular characters, was Fat Albert, right? So he was still making fun of of people he was still there's still a you know a victim if you will in that particular 
uh, skit or that 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 character. But Unfortunately, it I don't like, know anything about Pat Albert. <laughs> it's just one of his famous characters. Sure. It was like a cartoon series and and everything. But uh, but yeah, my point being that even though it was clean humor, it still was humor. It was still something that made fun of something. Uh, there's more coming up here in moments. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. If you want to join us, you can share your thoughts on how humor has just gone down the drain recently. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. It's Free Talk Live. We are continuing here to uh, kick off, in this case, the second hour of the show with you tonight. It's Ian. Are you? You can bring up absolutely anything you want to discuss. The number 603-283-6160. We started out talking about uh, Velma, the new HBO Max series that is apparently upsetting a lot of people. People on the right calling it woke. People on the left saying it's not woke enough. And then the Scooby-Doo fans just mad because Scooby-Doo is nowhere to be found and apparently isn't going to be in the series. So there's a lot of people upset at this uh, show, but it, of course, brought up the discussion, the, the, the sort of ongoing pop culture discussion of wokeism and how it has uh, ruined comedy, basically. If you want to weigh in, you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. And uh, still to come, we got the World Economic Forum. They started their big meeting yesterday in Davos with hundreds of bigwigs from the corporations and the governments of the world. But first, we go to Major Payne. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Aria. Go ahead. Yeah, you guys are discussing old school comedians. You guys are probably all too young to remember this cat, but his name was Soupy Sales, and he had a kitty show. Didn't he host Saturday. the Gong Show? Um, he may have for a minute. He, okay. I mean, he bounced around Hollywood for a while. Yeah, but uh, anyway, he had, he had a kid show on Saturday, like Captain Kangaroo did, mm-hmm. and he got thrown off the air for saying on on the, over the airways. Well, I hope that holds the little bastards for a week. <laughs> it, it was the Friday show, right? But uh, Soupy Sales, I guess, had a very filthy uh, stage show. My old mm. man said he caught Vegas or someplace. I that was it. also I true of Bob Saget. Yeah. And I was stunned when I learned this, right? Because Me too. Because he, he's so clean and like full house and right. America's Funniest Home Videos. And, all. and, and then we you grew watch up his, with him on, on yeah. those things. Yeah. And then you watch his stand-up and, oh my God, he's got a filthy he's raunchy, mouth. Right? Yeah. Like some of the worst I've ever heard. And you were talking about Fat Albert and whatnot, too. You mm-hmm. remember how many characters in that clan, like the kid that had the eyes cut out of his hat and the big lips and talked all, you just, you couldn't hardly, I be doing, but think you, but can, but I'm a stand by me. It's been a long guy? time. I, I'll take your word it's for it. It's been like the mushmouth version from Dick Tracy. Mm. Okay. I mean, there's, there's always, you, you, they take an idiosyncrasy and run with it. And sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's cruel, but hell, that's the way the world is. Yeah, that's you know? true. When I was a kid, and I think I've always lived this way, if you can't laugh at yourself, you got no business laughing at anybody else. That's a great point. Yeah, one of the so, things I don't understand about Velma, and I didn't think about it until you had brought you had mentioned this uh, sort of, Ian, is who was the target audience of this show? Because you got to know your target audience because that's what you build your jokes around, right? And you build your jokes to direct them at that target audience. But like, who were they trying to appeal to? I think they're trying show? to appeal to 
uh, millennial slash Gen Xers who grew up with uh, Scooby Doo, who are familiar with the characters, yeah, and who wanted to have an adult version of that. That's what this was. In, in which case, they should have taken a lot more cues from Family Guy than, or South Park, or Futurama, or insert adult comedy series here, where. I don't know well, those what aren't they murder t- mysteries, you no. know. I don't know. Well, any any of them could be. I don't know what they took their cues from here, but it was it was not good. I if you can't identify the target audience, I think that speaks a lot about the how direct directionless the show is and how bad it is. Major, anything else you want to share? Well, as far as why none of, nobody can take a joke anymore, mm-hmm. I blame it on the internet. It's all this victimology and everybody's butt hurt because they get picked on because they go on Facebook say something and some troll jumps on their back and they just feel like ah well the thing is the internet is where oh you can only that's the only place you can find the good jokes right like you can't get it from mainstream media or hbo max or whatever on this new these new programs but you can certainly get them in meme form because there's no censorship there people can make whatever kind of jokes they want to and the ones that fly are the ones that get passed around and they're pretty some of them are really funny stuff so. Yeah, yeah, I know, but people get butt hurt. You know what I'm saying? Well, they do. And I don't that, think the internet's responsible for that, though. I mean, there, no. there's a lot of people. There's a lot of the victim card being played throughout the world, especially in the West. But I don't think it's the internet's fault. No, because they were uh, inculcating young people with this as far back as when I was in school, and that was like kind of not quite pre-internet, but early, early before the internet was any sort of important thing in people's lives. Uh, they were, you know, they were still handing out the what do they call it? Participation trophies, right? Yeah, oh, well, those are certainly to blame. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. can't make anyone feel bad here. Oh, there yeah. can't just be a number one winner. Everybody's got to be a winner. That kind of Everybody mentality. Everybody gets a ribbon. Yep. Yeah. Everybody that kind of thing. That's ribbon. been around for a long time, for it's decades. Been, it's been a very weird sort of inversion of like strength and power. Whereas previously, you got strength and power by doing good and by achieving things. Now. You gain power over others by claiming to be the biggest victim. Like that's mm. that's what gets you power in American society. That's why trans people have so much power in in America, and the the, the left is able to push that so much. And it's because they claim to be victims in this and that. And victimhood has become the a, a giver of strength. Like mm. it's having victimhood in your card makes you extremely powerful Strange. in the United States. Thank you, Major, yeah, for the my, call tonight. Kids, uh, go ahead. My kids grew up during that ribbon mentality, mm-hmm. but I did. And I remember how proud I was when I won my first trophy. There you go. There's Man, nothing wrong I'm, with losing. <laughs> losing is how right. you get it's, better. Right. It's earned. Yeah. It's not just given. That's a fact. Thank and, you, Major, for the call tonight. I appreciate it. And it means nothing to me to get something for nothing. Like I've been, re- I returned to World of Warcraft Classic recently because uh, okay. I had some spare time. I wasn't sleeping, so I was like, "Got to do something." Since I'm awake anyway, this game's been going on for what two right. decades now. And this is World of Warcraft Classic, so it goes back to the game from 2007, and okay. you basically relive that years. expansion. Got it. And it was a lot harder than the leveling was a lot, so you gained power a lot more slowly. And because of that, it's a bit more grindy, yes, and mm-hmm. it's that's a negative thing to some extent. However. Every little bit of power you get feels so much more rewarding mm. because of that. You're not just given all of these things and you actually have to go out and earn them. And you, you could die and have to spend a large amount of time re- recovering from that. And mm. it was, it's, 
It's the difference between playing Minecraft in creative mode versus survival mode. In creative, you have everything given to you. You can just do whatever you want anytime you want, but okay. in survival, it, it means nothing if you build this great monument in creative. I mean, it's still kind of impressive because it still takes time to do that, but you don't have to go out and gather the resources. You already had them. But in survival, okay. you do, and it makes it so much more impressive. Mm. It, it doesn't mean anything to that kid to give them a trophy because they participated in the sport. But if you give it to them because they win, because they worked at it, well, that actually means something. Right. And it's going to mean something to that kid. So this is this sort of wussification that has been going on. This safetyism was a new term that I learned a few weeks ago for this. This, uh, you know, protecting the children and making everybody equal. And all of these, this mentality has been around long before the Internet. So I do agree with you, Aria, that the major was off on that point. Uh, but I think he was certainly right generally about uh, what he was saying. This is a, a, a direction that is unfortunate to see society go. At some point, we will probably see the pendulum swing back uh, against all of this wokeism, and that may or may not be a good thing. It might be good for a little while, and then whatever the other extreme is of this, I don't... I. Not really clear on what that would be. but There's definitely a connection between wokeism and participation trophies, though, that I don't think gets brought up enough. And this is why I criticize L- uh, gay pride, LGBTQ pride every June, and why I get you know, mm-hmm. so many people upset at me on social media is because taking pride over being gay, that's just a participation pro- trophy for life. That it, It's a birth mm-hmm. characteristic, right? And that's what they argue. You're born gay. Born and you gay. don't have any control yeah. over it. So you're just taking pride in... In this characteristic of your birth. Right. It's like they would be offended by white pride. Right. But it's gay pride. That's fine. Right. It's just as bad as nationalism yeah. or racism or any yeah. other ism where you're just you're taking pride in not an accomplishment. It's something you could not control. Right. But in a yeah. characteristic. And I don't think you should do that. I think you should. If you accomplish something, hell yeah, mm-hmm. be proud of it. But if you're just if it's just a characteristic, there's nothing there to be proud of. Yeah, I was trying to think there. What what is the opposite of what if the pendulum swung back from wokeism, and then swings in whatever the complete opposite direction is? Probably would also be negative. And I was just thinking, what what might that be? Well, maybe it's where the person who wins the trophy is a total a hole about it, and like no one else could possibly be good enough, and that that sort of mentality. Yeah. I, I'm not sure exactly how that would manifest the sort of anti wokeism, the negative aspects of what uh, that would look like. Because, I mean, there is some value to telling someone, hey, look, you know, it's okay to not win, uh, to not focus all the uh, the attention on the just the winner or whatever, to tell somebody that, hey, you'll make it next time and be still try to be uplifting to, to the person while not giving them a trophy, right? So, like, right. maybe there is a middle ground there. But the life doesn't seem to go towards the middle. It seems to go towards the extremes. So. It, it does, but I think it works its way toward the middle in the end. Over I, I time? Think, yeah, you I think, think so? it's sort of a market thing okay. where the pendulum, it swings back and, and loses, forth. but loses momentum, right? It, and it yeah, to the middle. it slowly finds a middle path. Maybe. And I suspect that's what's going on here. And But, but you know, it'll be thousands of years before we learn the answer to that. So uh, you were just talking about video games, and certainly a reason why a lot of people play games is to escape from reality, to get away from whatever boring life that they're having and get into uh, a game world. And to some extent, there's that's true for uh, movie fanatics as well. And all of and- that's fine to an extent. Right. There's nothing wrong with a little bit of escapism as long as you get your bills paid and right. you you know you you're responsible, but some people go a little too far with that, right? I do have a friend who recently started playing Final Fantasy 14 and this is a friend who recently lost everything. Their girlfriend broke up with them after cheating on them for like 
Oof. 10 years. I mean, they had been with this girl for 10 years and they were cheating on them oh, with God. some of their friends. So they lost all of their friends. They moved here. They lost their car. They, they just lost everything in their life. And it's oh, tragic. And now they've started playing Final Fantasy fourteen. Is this an old online game or something? Yes. It's, okay. it's like World of Warcraft. It's okay, one it. of these games. It never ends. Very second lifestyle. And it's like, dude, you're the last person who should be playing a MMO right now, a massively multiplayer mm-hmm. online game. Because yeah, this is how you form an addiction. Because you've got mm-hmm. nothing going on in your life. It becomes right. your avenue of escape. You you are going to derive your entire... It's going to become more important to you than everything else because it's all you've got. Like... You're the last person who should be doing this because you don't have anything centering you and tethering you to the real world and causing you to excel and accomplish things here. Instead, you're just going to drift more and more into this virtual world, and that's where it becomes a problem. However, having me playing World of Warcraft every so often isn't necessarily a bad thing, even though, yes, by definition, I'm escaping into a fantasy world. Right? Isn't necessarily bad. A little bit of that, that's fine. Uh, But becoming obsessed is where the problem comes in, as you were suggesting here. But it's not just about video games. And since we were talking about uh, pop culture, I recently got permission from my uh, probation uh, department to to go out to research to watch a movie so we could talk about it on the air, and that was uh, the new Avatar sequel, which came out a few weeks ago. I've heard really good things about it. I've also heard some confusing things about it, like the refresh rate in particular. Okay. Uh, did, did you experience any weirdness about that when you were watching you it? You know, as somebody who is a bit of a video file, like I pay attention to things like that. And I got to say, it didn't j- jump out at me at all. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't notice it. I didn't hear about it until later, until I was like looking at a couple reviews or listening to a couple reviews of the movie. They commented on the frame rate of the movie, which is apparently 48 frames a second instead of your standard 24 and I got to well, say, most it, of the time, apparently, that, that that was what caught my attention today was I had never heard about it. But mm-hmm. someone mentioned that through most of the movie, it's 48 hertz okay. or 48 kilohertz, whatever it is. 48. Yeah, it's just hertz. Yeah, yeah, frames but occasionally it's 24. And it's really? like even within the same scene, it can go down from 48 to 24 for some reason. I, I was definitely like, didn't notice that. Yeah. It seems strange to me if that was the case. It seems like everyone would have noticed it. No. Because, I found the movie to be fairly engrossing. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be great because the trailer, I mean, it's hard to judge by a trailer, but sometimes you get really good trailers, and this one was terrible. The trailer for Avatar 2 was so bad, I just thought, oh, God, I'm going to go see it just because I like James Cameron's work. I've generally enjoyed his his movies over the years. I can't think of a, a bad James Cameron movie, so that's why I figured, all right, well, you know, how could he really screw this up that badly? Uh, and I went and I saw it, and it was uh, even though it was more than three hours long, it, it kept my attention. <sighs> yeah, um, that number, wow. <laughs> and you don't feel it, in my opinion. You don't feel it. It's not one of those movies where you're checking your watch. Okay. Um, it's 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 fairly engrossing. I mean, you maybe he could have cut some things out, maybe, but um, it's it's good storytelling. There's it's not a lot of depth or anything like that, but it doesn't need to be for it to be in a, a particularly engrossing movie. And by the end of the movie, you are really feeling. Uh, you know, you're concerned for the these blue people, right? Like these okay. non-human characters. Uh, you, I'm not going to say you bonded with them or anything like that, but there's definitely emotions that are being um, toyed with with this movie. And I've not it seen great. it, but I would also not expect it to be great, as you said it wasn't, because... No, it was great. It was good. It was a good movie. I mean, I'm not going to say it was his best movie or anything okay. like that. Well, I wouldn't uh, think but, it was bad. Yeah. But like, great or excellent or like one of his best or whatever... A solid four out of five stars. 
I wouldn't I would expect say. it to be as good as the first one. And the first one was beautiful. You know, it, it was absolutely gorgeous, but it wasn't like groundbreaking and it wasn't one of the best movies I've ever seen. If it wasn't for the pretty graphics mm-hmm. and the fact that it was 3D and groundbreaking in the graphical department, I don't think it would have gained any traction because it just, as a movie, I don't think it was really that, that great. I got to say, this one might have been better okay. than the first one. And that's me not having seen the first one since it was out in theaters in 2009, right? Like, I never went back to it, never wanted to see it again. I would be willing to watch it again just to compare the uh, the new one to the old one, and because Bonnie had never seen it either. So she went into this having not even seen uh, the first wow. one, and she really enjoyed it. And she wasn't expecting well, was to she like she five it when it first came out? <laughs> no, a little older than that. She was a teenager, I think, when that I know, I just don't mess with Bonnie about her being young. I mean, she's not even that much younger than me, right? She, well, I mean, yeah, she's a decade a plus younger yeah. than me, so... Let's go to the phones here. I got more to say. Uh, and then there's the story about the really pathetic Avatar fans. We'll get into that coming up here. But uh, you're on Free Talk Live. What is your name, caller? Jimmy. Jimmy, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, I I uh, just had a recommendation for an HBO Max series that recently debuted. And okay. that's The Last of Us. Oh, I saw is... this advertised when I well I'm not advertised but I saw this previewed when I went to watch Velma today. Okay, so this is a yeah. video game that they've now turned into a, a, a television series. Mm-hmm. And it's fantastic. It stays true to the actual uh, story in the video game so far. Mm-hmm. Did you play the video games? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've I never did. All that. Weren't they very it's... story heavy anyway? Yes. Known. For oh yeah. That. Yeah. They they were, and it, it's. It's kind of a a zombie kind of uh, mm-hmm. idea behind it, but the zombies are uh, are uh, mushrooms basically. They're they're cordyceps mm. that uh, have uh, I guess evolved to uh, take a host in humans and uh, make them and control them and make them uh, spread their their spores and all that oh okay so very similar to that species that does that to ants in one of the mm-hmm. I, I think the amazon forest mm. i like that that's a clever idea i could realistically because yeah. my issue with zombies has always just been how utterly unscientific it is right these undead mm-hmm. things that are reanimated and they start eating brains or whatever however it's fiction right but <laughs> it's not supposed to be scientific i know but i prefer things that could be grounded in reality okay and I could see that with these mushroom things because mm. they do have mushroom species that do this okay. exact thing yeah. with ants. So it's not completely beyond the realm of plausibility that there could be a mushroom species that would do it with humans. Now, uh, That's is clever. This, Go ahead. Well, I, I uh, had uh, a dog. Well, actually, it's my parents' a dog that uh, had a, a fungus that acquired it from somewhere. We live out in the country. And uh, it and it got this fungus in its in its brain, and it actually caused its eyeballs to pop out and stuff. It's horrible. Oh Gave God! Seniors and everything, and they and they were saying in the <sighs> and, and this isn't really revealing anything uh, as far as the series goes, but the saying you know that uh, cordyceps and mushrooms can only live in a host that's uh, doesn't get any warmer than ninety four degrees. Hmm. And apparently they can get into a host that lives or that's uh, warmer than that because, you know, dogs are, I I think they're about the same temperature as humans. Hmm. 
So uh, tell me, though, about this series. I mean, how many episodes are there so far? Are they releasing them all at once, kind of like the, they've been doing in recent years, or is it a weekly kind of one-at-a-time thing? It's weekly, and it comes on uh, Sundays. Okay, and how many uh, episodes are you into it now? Just one so far, but so far it's fantastic. Now, are you yeah. saying, let me, tell me what the appeal is. As somebody who, you say you've played the game, so you're already familiar mm-hmm. with the plot, What if they're not really changing up the plot, what is this really bringing to the table? Well, it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I guess, I guess for a lot of us that played the game, which was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, the we kind of know what's going to happen, but they throw in little curveballs every now and then that okay. changes it up a little bit. But but it's it's a really great story, and it's one that's been you know it's it's well deserving of being you know presented to a larger audience. Really. Okay, all right. So as as a fan, you're wanting to see if they. Stay true to the story, but yet also yeah. you're open to seeing if they change it up a little bit as as time goes on. Yeah, okay. Because because like the Halo series that came out on Paramount Plus was horrible. <laughs> I didn't even like know there was one. I can't even imagine how you can make a good like the Doom stuff looked terrible too, right? Like there's no plot yeah. there to begin with. So what do you really even do? Well, I, Michael Bay could. I, I feel like <laughs> Michael Bay could make a decent Doom movie. Uh, right, because, I mean, he's all about explosions. Let's not and, try it, though. I mean, I think yeah. they've already tried two Doom movies. It, it could so be fun, far. right? Just mindless explosion and killing of demons. It could be fun. I did. Uh, I will say this about The Last of Us. I've never played the game, but I did watch most of it being played on one of those uh, React channel things that they did a long time ago. And again, like he said, this is probably most of a decade ago at this point. Uh, but it was it was worth like it was fun to watch it being played just because it really was a good kind of uh, game with a plot. I thought so, it was so yeah. story heavy that it was essentially just a movie where you basically just pressed X at the right time Not or quite, whatever. No, okay, no, See, there was a, there was gameplay to it. Okay, but but yeah, the the only criticism I really have of it is uh, the girl that plays one of the main characters doesn't look anything like her she's and it's not you know like oh they race swapped her or whatever mm. it's just that she has a weird face and it's, it's like, it sounds really mean but i mean it just looks so different from what that main character looked like you know and, i very uh, much like the idea of games being turned into shows and movies when, when it's done it usually well, fails well, miserably that, that's because there was this whole they were attempting to bring money from Europe into the United States without having to pay taxes on it. And the best way to do that, as I understand, was to make a video game based movie. It was guaranteed really? to make it was guaranteed to put eyeballs to put butts in the seats, right? Mm-hmm. So it was guaranteed to make money. And they didn't have to pay the taxes to bring that money into the United States from Europe. That's why so many of them, or almost all of them, are shot in Europe. So huh. they, they pay the money there and then they bring it over here. They it's a way of transferring the money to the United States. So they didn't have to be good. I've they just had to that. sell. Thank you for the call tonight, man. Appreciate the uh, the recommendation. Appreciate hearing from you. Uh, the number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. Do a little more pop culture uh, commentary here tonight. But, of course, the phones are open. So if there's something that's critical that you need to let us know, it's in the news, well, you can do that. You can bring up anything you want here on Free Talk Live. More coming up. Free Talk Live, and you can join the show. You can bring up whatever you want here. The number is 603-283-6160. You can comment on things we've already discussed, such as wokeism and the new Velma show, which is apparently upsetting people on the left and the right. 
Uh, or uh, comment on whatever's on your mind here. The number is 603-283-6160. We're just about to get into a story that I've had on uh, in my show prep for a few weeks now. And, Aria, you have not yet had the chance to spend the three hours that it would take to uh, watch this new Avatar movie. Yeah, and at three hours, I'm probably never going to. I, I would speculate never going to, because it's not that I don't have three hours to kill, right? Because mm-hmm. I do. But it's a matter of opportunity cost. If, if I've got three, a, a solid three-hour window where I don't have anything else to do, Avatar the the just isn't anywhere near the you. top of the list yeah. of about things I want to dedicate three hours to. Yeah, and I gotta say, this movie would not have called to me either. Um, if it was just based on the trailer that I saw, because I thought the trailer looked terrible. It looked just so uninteresting uh, to me. But I just went on the the pure knowing that James Cameron, the director, is a talented filmmaker whose films I have, I mean, always enjoyed. Um, you know, Aliens and Terminator and you know The Abyss. All these are, are great, great. Movies. I didn't realize he did uh, Aliens. Yeah, that's one of his okay. best. Uh, True Lies. You know, he's done, he's been a great director, and he's poured basically the last thirteen years of his life or fourteen years of his life into making this movie. So it's like, I guess I can spend the time to see if this one turned out all right. And you know what? It turned out pretty good. Uh, it turned out pretty great, actually, in my opinion. I wouldn't say it's one of his best movies per se, like just because I'm more familiar and I have more affinity for those older ones. But it is a really well-made movie. I did end up having, uh, you know, emotions for the the blue blue people, right. the uh, the Navi or whatever. Well, that happened in the first one as well, where I was genuinely engaged in their plight and I was worried about them. Yep. And you know, I wanted what was best for them. I wanted the the evil corporation to stop the really that they have to call it unobtainium. <laughs> really, come yeah. on. That aside. Yeah. I wanted the corporation to to back off and to leave these people alone. I I, I empathized with them. I re- but it was basically just a fern gully for adults. Yeah, it was. It was. But that wasn't a bad thing. And, and the thing that that he did bring to the table in 2009 of course was the the sort of the relaunch of 3D technology. You know, in the 1980s they had the red and the blue glasses 3D and it was a gimmick and you know, yeah. it came and it went and the new 3D still it's a gimmick. But it's a pretty good gimmick. I, I've been kind of, I wouldn't say a fan of it, but given the choice, I'll usually pay the extra two bucks. And nowadays you really can't do it. Nowadays, 3D movies are pretty much dead uh, yeah. at this point. But it was a gimmick and it was definitely improved over what you know the 1980s technology had. So I, I kind of enjoyed the gimmick. So it was it was, it was cool to see that, um, that level of quality again, because some 3D movies are better in 3D than others, and this one definitely was. So check it oh, out. The if new you get one the was in 3D. The new one. Were yeah. you able to watch it yeah, in 3D? Here in Keene. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I figured that they'd turned all the 3D off because there was never any 3D did. movies anymore. But no, they still still had it in 3D. So if you get the chance, and you, if you liked, I guess I would say this: if you liked Avatar, you'll probably really enjoy the the second movie. Um, if you like a good blockbuster movie, like I said, Bonnie didn't even, she'd never seen the first one and she was not like, I basically dragged her to this one <laughs> and she ended up really enjoying it. That's good. So, uh, I mean, it's hard to sit through something for three hours and not enjoy it. Right. Well, if you're not enjoying it, you should leave. Well, right? obviously. Yeah. Uh, so here's the story though, that I thought was sad and interesting 
about this. Variety.com, which is a, like a movie sort of industry site. Okay. I don't uh, know what they are. They write about the beauty of Avatar left some fans depressed after forming hmm. a supportive online community. Oh, Lord. Yeah, this... We've we've already started out badly. So these are the kind of people who like watch Velma and criticize it because it's not woke enough. Maybe I'm I'm assuming they may very well be. These are some sad sacks. Let me get into the story here from Variety. When Avatar first hit theaters in 2009, audiences had never seen anything quite like it before. James Cameron's science fiction spectacle became a phenomenon, transporting repeat viewers to the colorful alien world of Pandora a digitally realized environment of sprawling forests, floating mountains, and majestic creatures. And it is worth pointing out Avatar, for many years, was the number one most grossing box office movie of all time. I think one of the Marvel movies knocked it out, but I don't know if it, I think Endgame did. I don't know if it knocked it out when adjusted for inflation. That would be an, We'd have to pull up those lists and see which is the case there. Um, so, I mean, you can't take that away from Avatar. It definitely was very popular for, for reasons, right? Uh, but in the weeks following the release of Avatar, CNN reported that some viewers were experiencing depression and suicidal thoughts. A gloomy- Good Lord, why? Was the, did it sub- plant subliminal messages in their mind that made them depressed? I mean, how do you watch a movie and then end up... Dep- like, I remember I watched one of the Saw movies, and when I went home that night, I was like... Checking in my closet to make sure that there wasn't a serial <laughs> really? killer in there. Yeah, this only happened like once, right? But you know, it, it affected. How old were you? Twenty five, twenty six. Okay. I mean, it was it was a passing thing, but and yeah. I, I didn't like looking all my closets, like <laughs> making sure there's no one in there. But you know, I, it was a little cautious. I had just right. watched this pretty engaging movie about a serial killer, and you know, I'm just gonna make sure all my closets are empty. All right. Maybe that was weird. It didn't strike me as too weird at the time, but I did it right. <laughs> But to walk away from a movie depressed, that's very different. A gloomy sentiment had taken root in tandem with the euphoric praise. Earth's surfaces seemed gray compared to the film's gorgeous vistas, and the quotidian ways of mankind felt dull and restrictive. Compar- the what ways? I, I don't know that word. I've I'll have to look it up. I've never heard that word. Wow. Uh, it's spelled quote, like Q-U-O-T-I-D-I-A-N. Okay, it means uh, of or occurring every day. So the daily, where the daily repetition, you know, of mankind felt dull and restrictive compared to the symbiotic tranquility of the Navi, the race of blue humanoids native to Pandora. Well, they can mix their life up. If I understood that paragraph, that sentence correctly, they they don't like the day to day repetition of life to some extent. Well, mix it up a bit then. There, there's nothing requiring you to do the same routine every single day except your own sense of habit. Sure, but you can't get up in the morning and see the beautiful vistas and the you know the the floating islands. You and- can well, not the floating islands, no. <laughs> but you can get up every day and go on a hike and look at the beautiful waterfall or the river or whatever. You can. I, look, you're being very rational here, Aria. These people are not. Right, they, <laughs> okay, these fair. are people who are depressed. They're sad about the life that they live. They don't like their job. They don't like their girlfriend. You know what that kind of thing, right? Like they, their life is boring compared to what they saw in this creation by Jim Cameron. This amazing thing, right? Well, yeah, so, my so, life is boring compared <laughs> to these people as who, right? <laughs> James Cameron's uh, science fiction spectacle became a phenomenon. Uh, they say here the uh, phenomenon referred to as post-Avatar depression 
among the fan community cast a shadow beyond the film's original release. Max Perrin, a 24-year-old digital artist. How much you want to bet Max this guy? Now? Max Perrin. Okay. How much you want to bet this guy is freaking out over AI art at the same time? I'm willing to bet he is. Yeah. Uh, living in Texas had an intense emotional experience. Much later than the first crop of viewers, he didn't see the film until 2017. Quote, a lot of people have experienced this in the community. Wait, this is in regards to the first Avatar movie? That's correct, yeah. Okay. This it wasn't article, that pretty. I mean, it, it was pretty, yeah, but like, it wasn't, I'm going to go slip my wrist level of pretty. Well, apparently these people think it is. I thought, I assumed we were talking about the second no. movie here, the sequel, because I thought the second movie is bound to be prettier than the first. I mean, again, not having seen the first one since 2009, I can't say directly, but I would say it's in the same vein. Okay. I mean, maybe they poured more money on the screen for yeah. this one. They probably did. But, uh, I mean, the computer graphics are pretty, but so are every computer graphics of every, like, fantasy land and every video game that you've ever played. Yeah, I'm just, you know? I gotta admit that I'm I'm shocked here that we're talking about the first Avatar movie. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. The story here is that these people are anxious about the second movie coming out because they had this trouble after seeing the first one and they had to form an online okay. community... <laughs> To support one another in their reality of living an adult, you know, humdrum life. It sounds like they should not go see the second movie, <laughs> certainly. Know. I you mean, if you, can't, to, if you can't handle it, then <laughs> don't. Yeah, I, I mean, these people apparently can't even handle life, but uh, that's, the, that's what the story's about here. So, uh, Perrin, this 24-year-old artist, he said, A lot of people have experienced this in the community. It really made me rethink a few things. I had no idea that I could be so deeply influenced by something like this. I had no idea just how deeply it was going to change me. Good Lord, dude. <laughs> this is a movie. And I, I can sort of relate. You know, some movies, some, some video games, some whatever have had profound influences on me as a person. Yeah. But like... Not to the extent where I needed a, a support group to deal with it <laughs> right. or whatever. Usually, if the movie's good, you know, I think about it for a little bit afterwards. Yeah. Bonnie and I will have a discussion about whatever aspects we want to discuss. Maybe we'll talk about it on the air at some point, And then that's the end of it, you know? Yeah. And if the movie's bad, well, it usually doesn't last. Whatever discussion doesn't last that long. <laughs> and then that's the end of it. I, I just don't understand. Like, the music from the video game Final Fantasy VI is mm-hmm. phenomenal. Some of the best music I've ever heard. So much so that when I changed my name, I based it on one of the songs in this video game. Aria Demezzo. Right. Aria mm-hmm. Demezzo Caratier is the name of the song because mm-hmm. it's, it's a beautiful piece. Okay. So it's fair to say that, that, that the music in this game, or the Final Fantasy VI in general, my middle name is based off one of the characters, had a profound influence on me. But not in any sort of weird way like that mm-hmm. i don't understand how one can consume a piece of entertainment and then walk away from it depressed or having it change their life. like final fantasy 6 didn't change my life it just inspired me and it motivated yeah. me and it, it it's a thing that when i needed a name i was like well obviously right there right so it actually i like what you said there inspiring motivating it uplifted you yeah right uh, made you better as a as a person. I don't know if it really affected me that to that degree. Certainly, uh, media could mm-hmm. do that, but well, you've been it, you're better it's going off to be in a small it. way. You're better off having seen it. Yes, right? and, and I think it's going to be a very small yeah. impact on a person's life, and not any major impact. 
Yeah, and obviously these are people who have prob. They must have had problems before this, right? Yeah. Uh, Jacob Williamson, 25-year-old physicist living in Atlanta, Georgia, was also a latecomer. Good Lord, that's impressive. To post to be 25-year-old physicist? Yeah. Uh, to be a, was a latecomer to this post-Avatar depression. While Williamson was among the masses who saw Avatar during its premiere theatrical run, it wasn't until years later that he recognized that he had acquired a worrying fixation on Pandora, which is the fictional world. Uh, from the movie, quote, the first time I experienced it was probably several, year, several years after, just after rewatching it on Blu-ray. I re-experienced it in 2018 after visiting Pandora, the world of Avatar at Disney World. It actually ended up taking me out of school for a semester. See, that's amazing because, like, I haven't thought about the world of Pandora since, Since I saw the movie, other, yeah. other than tonight, I mean, there's right. probably been other times where someone mentioned Avatar and I thought about it or whatever. But like, this is not something I. Yeah. It's it, merely this is a foreign setting to me. Yeah. It's a setting for you know the action to happen, right? That's what it is. And I mean, I get it, right? I think about Final Fantasy VI or insert video game here probably mm-hmm. more than they than the average person, but. Not not obsessively so. It sounds like these people are obsessed. You don't wish that you could be uh, the main character and live your life in the Final Fantasy world to the exclusion of paying no, your bills. No, absolutely not. <laughs> you I end mean, up to, living near mar- you know your parents' basement because you can't pay no. your bills. And to the extent, if you were like, hey, look, you can live in this world of Final Fantasy, insert whatever game, or you can stay in, in your world. I, in almost all of these cases, I would pick the world that we're in because. Yeah. These video game worlds and these movie worlds, they have a lot of problems. I mean, that's sure. what these plots are based around, like problems that I wouldn't want to deal with. Perrin and Williamson are both members of Clutral, an online avatar fan community established in the messaging app Discord. Since I really hope that Clutral isn't whatever language they speak in on oh, Pandora. Oh, you know it is. Oh, please tell me it's not. Yeah, that's coming up at the uh, end of this paragraph. You, you literally predicted the next sentence. Since its formal launch in 2020, Clutral has aimed to provide a conversational space for all Avatar fans, but it began as a group of people interested in learning and conversing in the Navi language. Just like those Star Trek fans that learned Klingon, Did they make right? an actual language around the Pandora, the Navi language? I, I would be, Probably. I, I don't know. It's always impressed me when people go to that length for their fantasy world or their yeah, sci-fi world. That's, like, that's a lot of work. Tolkien did this with with his world, and that mm-hmm. was impressive. I mean, Tolkien was also like a linguist, so it, okay. it, was, it was right up his alley to do this sort of thing. It seems to me that Tolkien did it in his spare time because it was a... Sub, it's subject matter that fascinated him. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why the Klingon language came about. Uh, that's the language they speak in Star Trek. There right. is an entire language built around it, and some people can actually speak it. And yeah. it blows my mind that anyone would bother to learn this language, but it, it boggles my mind that anyone bothered to develop this language as well. Sure. I would not have expected that Avatar would have a fan base fervent enough mm. to have an actual language developed from the films yeah i mean you don't you certainly don't hear a lot about it like i like you said i'd never heard anyone talk about avatar in the last 13 years you know it's not something that comes up at parties it's not it doesn't seem to have much cultural reference even though it was 
one of the most popular movies of all time by box office numbers. Like, you don't see people walking around with Avatar t-shirts or hats or, or bumper stickers or, you know, anything like that. Well, because that. it wasn't timeless. It came along, it did its thing, and then it went away. Mm. It wasn't Star Trek, which continues to, you know, be in pop culture. Yeah, yeah. Or Doctor Who, or, or even Lord of the Rings and Tolkien, which repeatedly pop up, and they, they have a permanent place, I suppose, in in the cultural zeitgeist. Avatar does not. It was just a movie that was made. Sure, it was popular, mm-hmm. and it was successful, but it was successful because a lot of people who liked it watched it multiple times. Like, I myself saw it twice. Okay, I did too. Once was with a friend who invited yeah. me to go, and the next one was with my, I think she was my girlfriend at the time. She went on to become my wife. I don't know what she was at the time, but I was like, hey, look, mm-hmm. you know, you know, I went and saw this last weekend. You've got to see it too. It's fantastic. Yeah, so sure. I ended up seeing it twice. And that's why it was so successful, right. right? Because people went back to the theaters more than once. And I mean, so to to be clear, anything that is successful is going to have a fan base. It's just, yeah. you know, we didn't know they existed. And they did because they were hanging out on Clutral, where it gained somewhat of a spotlight last fall, featured in the HBO series How To with John Wilson. The episode titled How to Remember Your Dreams documented a humble conference of Clutral members in New York. The two, uh, Williamson and Perrin, appear so they have in the conferences? As, wow, they are dedicated. As does Clutrell user experience designer Nick Pavo, a 33-year-old video game developer and musician living in Massachusetts. While Pavo says he hasn't personally experienced a form of post-Avatar depression, he finds himself embedded in a community where he estimates that roughly 10 to 20% of his peers have been affected by the film in that way. He says, empathizing with and understanding it is part of who I am. Now, it's definitely dwindling. If you are experiencing post-Avatar depression, uh, the odds of you having been with us through the gap between movies was pretty high. People coming in now were very fine living their lives without Avatar. He was one of the people that Pavo, or Perrin rather, was one of the people that Pavo has talked with about post-Avatar depression. The Clutral community has played a part in several dramatic changes to Perrin's life. Quote, I remember being blown away by the visual spectacle of it and the compositions and emotional beats of the story. I went in blind and I was just swept off my feet. I was kind of in tears. I was also just like, I need to talk to somebody about this. That's when I found a Discord server where I met what is now known as the Clutral community. I was just ecstatic, he said. So let me make sure I understand this correctly. Most of these people that are in there now are people who are there because of the new Avatar movie because it's being mentioned again and they, they didn't think anything about Avatar in between the two movies. But 10 to 20% of them were in there all along because they're they're these obsessed super fans and they were depressed. Something like that. Some amount of them. I think the 10 to 20% was the estimate on the number of who are depressed. The okay. number who are afflicted by this post-Avatar depression at what point they came into the community okay. may, may have varied over the years. Perrin, who has a lifelong fascination with linguistics, found a support network in the Navi-speaking channels of Clutral. While post-Avatar depression took a toll on him, the group helped Perrin find the language to recognize his own mental health troubles. Quote, I felt like... I felt like that was an amazing dream, but now I had to wake up. I had to return to the doldrum of reality, trying to figure out what I was going to do with my adult life. Doesn't he make video games and music? Uh, Perrin, I think, was the artist. Okay. Well, still, he's a creator. He, he's yeah. an artist. Make some art then, dude. If your life is boring, if you find it ugly or whatever, you literally have the skills to make it better. 
Make it better. I had been struggling with depression, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't have a name for it. I was not allowed to seek out mental health treatments, psychotherapy, or anything like that. My family had religious views that were diametrically diametrically opposed to a lot of science and medicine. And he's what age? Because he's I, now twenty four. Okay, so he could have been young enough then that he was okay. I can't fault him for that. That's not Avatar's fault. That's his family's fault, and that's not necessarily his own fault. But like, I, I don't think that that's necessarily related to Avatar in the first place. So if he was, if he's twenty four now, and this is talking about him seeing it in, when he was seven or uh, when it was twenty seventeen, then that would have made him about nineteen, I okay. guess when he when he first saw the movie. Uh, Still, and- that doesn't sound like it's really. It sounds like he has depression, and one of the few yes. places that he wasn't being policed by his parents was. On Discord, and Discord just happened to have a depression channel on this particular server. That's what it sounds like to me. It doesn't sound like Avatar caused his depression. It just had a depression group on the server. After tensions with Perrin's father came to a head, one of Clutral's community leaders offered him a ride from Arizona to Texas and a roof to sleep under. Oh, dude, that's creepy. Providing a safe space. He's lucky he's not dead. (laughs) For Perrin as he began to set the foundation for a new life. Well, I don't know, Arya. I mean, you got to meet new people in life. Uh, yeah, I mean, sure. What are the odds you're going to meet an axe murderer on the Avatar uh, Discord server? Okay, maybe axe murderer <laughs> is unlikely, but like th- this is how human trafficking happens all the time, man. I, I, I'm shocked this story ended as well as it did, and I, I'm happy that it ended as well as it did. But like, if you're suffering from depression and someone on your Discord server is like, hey, man... I'll I'll come pick you up. I'll bring you to my house and you, you can stay here and I'll take care of you and I'll let you don't take them up on that offer because that's how people end up on you know missing children <laughs> and that's how you end up on the back of a milk carton. Well, I mean, if you were gonna do it, you'd want to let somebody know you were going, right? Like you would okay, here's where I'm going, going to this location. I don't know and... to what extent that can really help you though. Yeah. I mean and it's probably it's less risky for this nineteen year old to have done it or this twenty year old or whatever his age is, but fifteen year olds are on Discord too. Sixteen year olds yep, are on true. Discord too. That's and, true. And there could have been a sexual component, right? Like it could have been like, Yeah, you yeah. can stay under my roof, but you gotta sleep with me. And he probably right. wouldn't have said that. And if it, this was some sixteen yeah. year old kid or, or some fifteen year old kid right. who was yeah. being told this stuff, not good. Not good at all. We'll find out more about his story coming up here. Uh, Neil's on the line in Arizona. You're on Free Talk Live. Go ahead. Yeah, guys. I saw the first Avatar movie, and I thought it sucked. Mm. And I I have absolutely no desire to go see the new one. What did you just like about it? It just was boring. It was all hell. Hmm. Um, And it was a much older gentleman that took me to see it, and he thought it was great, and he wasn't even into computers, and I'm way into computers, and I, I, you know, it just, it was, that kind of movie never really appealed to me anyway. As far as the new movies out now, I would much rather see uh, Top Gun Maverick. Hmm. Um, Both of them very, very uh, big hits, Avatar and Top Gun, probably the two top uh, grossing films of 2022. I believe Avatar surpassed Top Gun in its earning, and it's still earning, obviously. Yeah, and uh, um, um, uh, Aria, um, I'm kind of like you. I never had any kids, never, never actually uh, at all. But I always wanted a son and a daughter, and I wanted to name them both after a TV program. I wanted to name my daughter Cassiopeia. 
and I wanted to name my son Starbuck. Starbuck. Yeah, some uh, uh, Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah, yeah. See, I'd seen the new one. I had not seen the original. Uh, Neil, uh, stand by here a moment. I don't know if you had more you wanted to share. We're talking a little pop culture. We're talking about depression as well, which some people apparently are feeling after watching Avatar. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour of the program here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Phones are open, and you can bring up whatever you want to discuss. And by the way, I do want to say thank you to Libertariat, who is a Free Talk Live supporter of our AMPS program, Diamond Level, meaning I think he's doing... 50 bucks a month, so thank you, Libertarian. Oh, thank you. Uh, I should stop giving you such a hard time on our Matrix server. <laughs> to be fair, though, Libertarian he gives play, me a really hard he time. He trolls too, so. hard yeah. there, so I mean, yeah, so. I'm sure he's used to getting it back. You can't troll hard without yeah, no expecting doubt. it to be returned to you. Hey, uh, he's rough on Turd Ferguson, though, man. I mean, Turd deserves it, so. I yeah. <laughs> They have their fun. You know, if they didn't want to. It is a fun server. If they didn't want to keep doing it, they just wouldn't come back and no they all keep coming back to uh to have at one another so uh libertarian the longtime supporter here of the amps program you can join him and you don't have to do 50 bucks a month we only ask for five so uh please help us out uh, it makes us more able to be independent we don't have to rely on advertisers money in fact right now we're relying on zero advertisers dollars so we'd like to have a little more in the amp uh, funds uh to help us get through things but if you want to help us it uh, is much appreciated you can join over at amps.freetalklive.com that's amps.freetalklive.com as i said i'd be totally fine if we never had another advertiser in the the lifetime of free talk live but we do need to get a little bit more direct support, and it would be great to just be able to say, you know what, we don't need ads anymore. Uh, that would be an amazing transition to uh, to be able to make. So. I think that's a good thing. Well, I mean, the market put, I mean, the transition has been made, whether intentionally or not. At the moment, it is solely supported by listeners. Well, supported, I wouldn't say is... Uh, okay. It's attempting to be supported. Right. It's partially supported, I think, would be more appropriate. Like, we couldn't cut back enough to get to the point where this level of support is enough to keep the show going. So we, we're subsidizing, uh, sure. basically, at this point. So uh, please help us out. You get some perks. You get some benefits. You get access to the AMPS-only uh, podcast, which has the full radio show with no recorded commercials at all uh just go to amps.freetalklive.com and thank you to everybody that's signed up recently we've had a, a good splurge of uh of people a lot of people former amplifiers come back uh to help us out again so thank you guys for that and thank you to everybody's brand new as well amps.freetalklive.com let's go to sarah she's in new mexico sarah go ahead hi so i just uh, <clears throat> um kind of interested yesterday of what you were telling me about what was going on in, in uh, Canada, and I, I wanted to kind of do a, a repeat here. Uh, I just need the better explanation of uh, of that the the cigarette binders. So yeah. I okay. Never, I, so you're referring to a story that I told yesterday about how when I was visiting Canada in like probably 2008, I think it was maybe 2007, somewhere in that range. Uh, that when we went to a convenience store, we were looking to buy alcohol at the time, 
And as it turns out, you have to go to the government stores in order to buy alcohol. Or at least this is the way it was 15 years ago. I don't know if it's that way was today. Was this even for beer? I believe it was for beer wow. and wine and liquor, if I recall correctly. Uh, again, Canadians are probably yelling at the radio if you feel like you want to call in. And it might have just been on a Ontario province or whatever, right? Because sure. we were in Toronto at the time. So I don't know. But that's my experience. And in order to buy cigarettes, you could not actually look at a display... They were all being hidden, and you had to actually get a binder from the cashier, and then you could look through the binder to actually see what the inventory was that the store had. And then you'd say, oh, I want this, you know, Marlboro Reds or whatever it was. I mean, obviously, if you knew what you wanted, you could ask for it. But if you wanted to see what the inventory was, they had a binder because you could not be able to – you were not able to, allowed to actually look with your own eyes at a display in the store. So that's what the situation was, Sarah. Okay, so where, where would they have this? Uh, be behind the counters or behind the cabinet, or it was not that not visible. The cashier or, had it behind the counter, so you would have to ask the cashier, and then the cashier would get the binder out for you. Oh, but they actually had the products in where the where they could get them. But well, obviously, yes. If I dollars. recall correctly, and again, it's been fifteen years, they had the products, but they were hidden. So, like, they were out, uh-huh. the, the cigarettes were in racks, as you might expect them to be, and they just right. had, like, white cards in front of them, completely obscuring the uh, your vision as far as what the brands were. Wow, that is, that is and this is the Ontario, Vancouver area, the, the West Coast. No, Vancouver is completely on the other side of Canada. That is the West Coast. Ontario province is the sort of the eastern side of Canada. Not quite Quebec, but the next one. Do you like oh, this idea, funny. Sarah? Of course she does. Well, you know what? It's, uh, I'm just trying to... That's why I'm trying to like uh, understand all of these things to... Because I'm, I'm like, well, why is it that this is the first time I'm hearing about this? I mean, the the anti... Because you're not oh, on the I'm internet. Not... You're a loser in New Mexico who doesn't... Who... Doesn't do How anything. would you know? I mean, you haven't taken the time to research other places in the world because you're completely fine with where you're at. You, we've, we've given you plenty of examples of other countries which are far more communist or more socialist, more uh, controlling in the ways that you would want. Like, you called in last night to gloat about how Mexico is now banning smoking in all public places, and we asked you why you wouldn't move to Mexico, even though it's right there. You're in New Mexico now, so it's just a you know hop, skip, and a jump across the border, and you're down in a place that would, uh, in theory, make you happier. But you're so addicted to the welfare and the status quo that you're not even willing to explore other options that might even be better for you. So that's how you don't know. You've never looked into anything else besides your little circle of where you're at and whatever welfare programs you can get on. Yeah, never mind moving. Well, Sarah won't moving. even go my, there. My whole, well, uh, I mean, my whole point is that I already live in a socialist communist state. That's my whole point. But it's not good enough for you. They're not passing smoking bans. Well, I mean, we... we we're, um, we did pretty good. We have no smoking signs, but I could do better since I learned about this. Yeah, why don't My you go visit? Is, uh, how come? How come our New Mexico against tobacco are 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 uh, you know jumping all this? I should have I should have been hearing about it on the news. You know why I mean? would you hear about that. this on the news in in New Mexico, Sarah? 
Well, when we were tra- when we when they were working on the anti-smoking on the restaurants and bars, it was all on the news, radio. Yes, that was happening news, in everywhere. New Mexico, though. Why yeah, would right. your yeah, news? Why would KOB News in Albuquerque report on the cigarette policy in Toronto? She doesn't uh, know. Because I, I'm just thinking that our tobacco, our anti-tobacco people would have already caught on and try to do that here. See, I already knew that there there were people that were trying to ban smoking scenes in the movies. They were working on it 15 years ago, and they accomplished that. <laughs> You're not allowed to have smoking scenes. That's not but true. I knew the people... Well, I mean... The are, smoking are scenes haven't been banned. They've just become uncool. It's unpopular. Now only bad guys yes. smoke in movies, that kind of thing. Well, I mean, they were, they were trying to eliminate, but they, they were working on that like maybe 17 years ago, and I knew the people that were working on it, and I, I, I just thought, oh, they're just... What the hell oh does God. it matter I mean, if somebody's that. smoking in a movie, Sarah? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think that's doing to people? Well, it's the same thing as the, the display. They don't want teenagers and children to look, look at the cigarette. It's the same thing. They don't want people to be watching a movie and having all these people... Um, they think smoking's cool, right? It, huh? it, you don't want people to think smoking's cool. That's why you don't smoking want... Smoking is cool, though. <laughs> it is. And, well, I mean, that's why you, you... I don't know why it is, but it, it certainly well, is. If you yeah, if you start well, a new job yeah. and you want to find the cool people, you find the smokers every single time. What cool people? There's hardly no more smokers around. You even... I know. They've all started know? vaping I mean, and they're no longer cool. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then all the casinos are are um, banning smoking, like the Navajo Nation. They no, not all of the casinos. The- some some of the Native yeah. American or the Indian casinos are doing so, and they they were never popular in the first place. I mean, if you're going to go to a casino, go to go to one of the American ones. I mean, realistically, you're going to get free drinks there. You're going to be able to smoke there. You're going to have a much better time at well, Harrah's some places or all you MGM. Can, I mean, some places all you can do is go to the yeah. Indian casino, right? But that's the only reason Indian casinos are, are popular and successful in the first place is because that's all there is. Yeah. They're on reservations, so they don't have to follow the anti-gambling laws or whatever. So yeah, uh, Sarah, I recommend you take a vacation from your work-free life <laughs> and go down to Mexico or go up to Canada and see it for yourself. Do the Mexico well, I mean, one is way closer. Wait, wait. Are they doing this in Mexico? Are you telling me? I don't that know. Do the same I have thing? no idea. They just passed a, an insane smoking ban in Mexico. It would shock me if they were still going to show the cigarettes on the shelves there. Why don't you go and you tell us, Sarah? Yeah, give, give us a call from across the border and, and let us there. know. Yeah, let us know. Well, I mean, the thing is, I know the beaches and the hotels. I mean, that's their money. A tourism is a big, a big industry in Mexico. That's most of their money. They don't want to run off all the tourists. Well, apparently, you know they don't I mean? care People- about running off the smoking tourists because they're going to tell them they can't smoke outside anywhere in public in Mexico as of Sunday, this past Sunday. It's in effect now. That's correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, what what smokers got any money to travel? I Plenty mean, of smokers have money. Oh my God! They're, they're broke. What? Ridiculous! How do you how yeah, do you I mean, come to that I, conclusion, I mean, Sarah? Like three hundred. Okay, most of the people that can't afford to travel are non-smokers because they have money. The smokers they they blow like three hundred dollars a month on cigarettes. I'll give it how to you. you the smoking is travel? expensive. Yeah, I'll absolutely give you that. 
and it, it's obscenely expensive. It is. No, there's no doubt it's a bad habit, and certainly people who don't smoke have more disposable uh, income that they can spend on other things. But there's plenty of people who make plenty of money to where they can afford to smoke and also go on vacation. <laughs> and if you do roll your own cigarettes, it's not even that expensive. That's true. Yeah, that's true. It costs like a dollar a day to smoke at and that I point. And I bet if you buy them in Mexico, they're probably still pretty cheap there. Probably. Uh, as well. Sarah, I mean, Ciudad, I'm looking at a map here. Uh, Ciudad Juarez is not that far from where you're at. Why don't you just take a bus and go down there and see for yourself what it's like to buy cigarettes in Mexico? Hmm, I, I, I really don't know, but, you know, I just want to say smokers are outnumbered. You've got money. Like I mean, you, you're getting welfare. You don't have a job. you got time. You have money and time. A Greyhound ticket probably isn't more than $100 still these days to go down to, to uh, you know Mexico. Smokers yeah, are outnumbered, Sarah. And see, the... I, I, I just want to see how this pans out. But um, so, yeah, it, it is kind of interesting. Why don't you get and, Richard um, to take you down to Mexico, your roommate, your retired roommate, who the one you're exploiting? <laughs> oh, that's not fair to say she's. It's an it's an agreement. She's got an arrangement that is mutually beneficial. Yes, but Sarah Sarah is a communistic welfare whore who wants to make everyone suffer because they don't fit into what she thinks is an acceptable little box. Mm, so that's true. If I can criticize her for exploiting someone, I'm I'm, I'm going to <laughs> whether whether it's true or not because she's a she's an awful person. She she's okay with allowing innocent people to die. In order to establish her worldview as she wants. Mm. So, I mean, exploiting people is one of the least evil things Sarah could be doing right now. 51 bucks. I have no idea. I pay my rent here. I don't know what you're talking about that I'm exploiting somebody. You know what I mean? I'm seeing tickets here down to Ciudad Juarez for $51, Sarah. That's that's like nothing. Yeah, I I have no idea what they're doing, but I, I really think that they did this for tourism dollars. You know, I, I what don't the know hell are you talking this about? This is going to run yeah. tourists away. This is going to piss tourists off. Look, for every one smoker, there's five non-smokers. Okay? No one's going, not I'm not going to many. Mexico because they let people smoke there. <laughs> there's probably somebody. Maybe that's why Sarah won't go. Sarah won't go because she's cheap and lazy. Well, that's true. Thank well, you, Sarah, for the call today. Well. Thanks for the call. Why won't you go to Mexico? She's gone. Oh, she's gone. Sorry. Oh, well. No, that's no great loss. <laughs> You'll get her back tomorrow. Don't oh, worry. I'm sure. Uh, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And it's not just, it's got to be just laziness because we've had people offer to buy her tickets to places like China and other communist places that should, Cuba, for instance, you know, spending, people have been willing to spend hundreds of dollars on giving Sarah a one-way ticket to uh, going to these places, and she has refused, steadfastly refused. Yeah, as you go. mentioned, a Greyhound tickets. What, what did you say? Fifty one dollars. It looks like it's cheap. Well, it may not be Greyhound, but some bus, some like cheapy bus, uh, fifty one bucks. They say the average bus price from Albuquerque to Ciudad Juarez is one hundred and five dollars. That's super cheap it's for cheap. a vacation to Mexico, man. Yeah, it's cheap. And and you, if you had a car, you could drive there even cheaper, but I understand. So take the bus. 105 bucks is cheap, Sarah. Yeah, and you get a little culture. You get you experience a different place, even yeah. though it's not that far south from you. Anyway, and they don't smoke there. There's she's not listening. All anyway, sorts so. of... No, she's not. But there's all <laughs> sorts of reasons that she could do it. She could. And then she could stay there and never bother Americans again with her nonsense. So speaking of uh, nonsense, we're talking about these sad people who are depressed over having seen a movie they really like. 
Uh, Avatar is what we're talking about. And we're talking about the first Avatar. There were people who saw the movie. They were so blown away by the visuals. I mean, they certainly weren't blown away by the plot. I mean, there really wasn't... It really wasn't much of a plot. It was, you know, it was an all right plot, but it, yeah, it wasn't. Space alien mankind uh, tries to take unobtainium, and things go boom. Uh, dude who has an avatar saves the. Yeah, Navi. they keep characterizing it as science fiction, and I, I, I guess in the strictest of terms, it is. yes, it's yeah, science it is. fiction. But I just don't like that characterization of it. It's not science fictiony to me. It's fantasy as well i think I, I don't know what i would call it but I mean, well, it's science in, in that you know there's the technology aspect of putting your consciousness right. into this avatar body and then there's spaceships right yeah i, I don't know man i i that's about as far as it goes technically though. it's definitely science fiction but something about it just doesn't sit right with me as falling in the science fiction category it's, it's just like the um the game of thrones series being fantasy it's like mm. yes it's fantasy, but it it doesn't fit in. It's drama too in right? the category, as I understand it, of fantasy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. The Variety dot com story here is what we've been sharing. It's about these uh, so far all males. By the way, they have not given an example of a female who is suffering from the same avatar. That's true. Uh, That's issue. curious. And uh, there's actually an image here of these people. Did they fall in love with the blue people? And then they were sad because the blue people couldn't exist. I don't know if they would admit to that, but certainly they they fallen in love with the world of the Pandora and the Navi, and they've loved they love them enough to where they've learned the language and they practice the language. So I mean, this is a level of fan yeah. fan obsession that hey, look, I don't want to make it sound like I'm criticizing people for their fanaticism right like (laughs) maybe not to to an extent if this is if you know everybody has to pass the time until they die doing something and you know some people like to watch sports that ain't for me some people like to play video games i like video games i don't play them anymore because i just don't have much time uh, for them some people like to get into one specific type of uh one franchise of movies or 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 you know, television series and and become obsessed. They write fan fiction. They draw artwork, yeah. fan artwork, and things like that. And you know, hey, to to each his or her own. But to be depressed over it uh, is is a whole other level of obsession. Yeah, that's where things get weird. This is where you're like, you know, in a dangerous kind of uh, space. And maybe it's just because these are people who would have been depressed anyway. And they just happened to see this thing that they really enjoyed, and then that just fed their depression because then it gave them something to say, oh, if only my life were on Pandora. I agree with that. I I don't think you could be depressed by the movie Avatar unless you were already prone to depression depression. and you were going to be depressed anyway. I think that's true. And this just gave you, it was a catalyst maybe at the most, or it just gave you an excuse or a thing for you to point your depression at. Well, and so this story gets into sort of the weird details about what these fan- fanatics, because that's what fan is short for, right? Fanatics have uh, have gone through and uh, the way they are, quote unquote, supporting each other. So this guy, uh, Perrin, who's the, uh, the 24-year-old artist, he admits that he uh, had teamed up with one of the Clutral's community leaders. Clutral is the Discord server that they all talk to one another about uh, their fanaticism. Did they ever say what that stood for? 
No, but oh, I right. bet we could look it up. Okay. Uh, no, but it doesn't say that. Uh, so I mean, I'm starting this Navi for something. The dude offered him a ride from Arizona to Texas and a roof to sleep under. He said, quote, they've been a family I didn't know I could ever have. I never thought that my life would be so changed for the positive when I saw some movie about blue space aliens, unquote. The other guy in this story, Williamson, has also worked on his relationship with Avatar, reconciling a longing to engage with the property with its potential for it to trigger his depression. The solution he found worked best for him was simply allowing himself to be fully drawn in, a credo he has shared with others. Quote, so to, uh, to avoid depression, he has to become obsessed? Is that right? That's what he's saying here. He says, I talked to my psychiatrist about it, and she had a piece of advice I wasn't expecting. Let yourself do it. Stop trying to stop yourself, he says, recalling the weeks after he had exited college for a semester as he was depressed over seeing this movie. Maybe get a second opinion next time. <laughs> he said, I watched Avatar repeatedly, delved into the language community, and started learning Navi. After a week or so, it stopped. I've never had an incident since. Well, so apparently it worked for him. Maybe, but like, I don't know that you did anything. I don't know that there was any positive gain here. You simply went from being depressed to being obsessed. And I'm not sure that's a net gain for anyone or your own mental health. Now, instead of being depressed and isolated or lonely or whatever it was, you're investing all of your mental efforts into this fantasy world that doesn't exist i don't know that that's any better i'm gonna give it to him okay i'm gonna say that it's a step up because having talked to uh and being you know roommates with that on occasion depressed people i know how just sad they can be and like they don't even want to get out of bed in some cases and it you know you said something earlier like look just do it you can say that to a depressed person right. and it never works. You, I mean, because for us, it's like, oh, we know going outside is a good thing. It's it's healthy. You walk the dog. You get some fresh air. It feels good. Studies show that people who are depressed, if they actually get some exercise on a regular basis, it helps alleviate their depression. You can tell all that to a depressed person. Right. But it isn't going to help their ass get out of bed and actually go out for a damn walk. No, and I get that as someone who's been dealing with anxiety, uh, especially recently and stuff like that, you know, no amount of knowing that X is true or, you know, the, there's no reason for me to think that, you know, this person hates me or whatever. No amount of knowing that rationally right. is going to change anything. And that, that's just the nature of how the human brain seems to function. No amount of knowing that you would feel better if you got out there and went out just for a walk is actually going to motivate you to actually go out and take that walk. Right, so that's why I'm giving him this one because okay. he's getting out of bed, I presume, to do this work. He's he's uh, you know going online. He's reading about the, the Navi language. He's practicing it. He's speaking it to his friends on this Discord server. It's giving him something to live for. You know? Okay. You're I mean, not wrong. Yeah, everybody's, like I said, everybody's got their their uh, their thing. And maybe he found his. Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. This is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. You can join the show here. You can bring up whatever you want. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. 
We're talking about what seemed at the beginning to be a story that was just kind of sad about these depressed individuals who um, have become obsessed with the movie Avatar, the first one. Uh, from 2009, over the last decade, people have seen this movie and apparently have become very sad about uh, the comparison between their reality, their life, uh, the you know perhaps the humdrum life that they might lead at a job they don't like or whatever, uh, compared to this lush fantasy world of the movie Avatar. And, uh, and that is sad, but the most recent example was someone who suffered from depression and found Avatar sort of cured that depression when he fully like went into his obsession with it rather than just trying to keep away from it his he says his psychiatrist recommended that he just delve completely into it and he said that after a week it essentially cured his problem his, a week of essentially like you know doing everything he could regarding this this movie that he enjoyed so much such as learning the language of the the blue characters, the Navi in uh, the films. I mean, it seems pretty amazing, but that's his story. And so kudos to him for that. The rest of the piece here from Variety goes into the uncertainty about the new movie uh, that at this time, when this was written, it was just before the movie came out. It says, so now the Avatar community is entering uncharted waters, the release of another series entry and an epic length, even more technically dazzling one at that. Putting aside a Disney World attraction, a few derided video games, and a handful of recent graphic novels, Avatar fans have largely been driven by self-sustaining enthusiasm, fixating on just one film for over a decade. I did not know there were even video games. They must have been flops. Probably. The Way of Water will make waves, which is the name of the sequel, will make waves in the community like nothing has before. While helping run Clitoral, which is their online Discord server, Mr. Pavo has observed a return, or rather, a number of members pondering the potential mental health impact of a return to Pandora. Quote, there's definitely been a couple of people, less than you could count on one hand, who have mentioned, man, I'm worried this is going to hit me different, he says. Most of us are blinded by excitement. We're not even thinking about the possible consequences of what the world looks like after this movie. That's such a strange thing to even consider. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, how is this going to affect me? It's a movie. <laughs> Just have right? fun. Yeah. Just go and enjoy it. But uh, for Williamson, there aren't many hard narrative expectations. The promise of finally expanding the scope of Pandora is more than enough to whet his appetite. But while he's bracing for an intense emotional viewing experience, <laughs> imagine having to brace yourself before going in to watch a movie. I mean, maybe for like a really scary movie that you know is going to be scary. I understand bracing yourself, but for like Avatar, I, I don't get it, man. I, I just don't. I don't ever brace myself for a scary movie either. It's like you go in for the experience of being scared by right. the thing, right? Like you accept that when you go in to that movie. I think it. I think there's a difference between, uh, you know, expecting and accepting and embrace or you know bracing oneself for, well certainly for i mean bracing oneself is like the, i i don't know what one has but it's just <laughs> i'm envisioning someone like breathing heavily like pumping themselves up to yeah and i'm in. trying to imagine i'm trying to reconcile this with my understanding of the movie avatar and what it's about and what it does and i just don't understand how a person becomes so 
emotionally wrapped up in this fantasy world that that it could do this to them. Yeah. It's just a That's movie. Amazing. Let's go to your phone calls here. Uh, caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Hey, it's Tom. Tom, what's on your mind? I just saw the headline of tonight's show. I'm not sure if you guys are talking it. But um, I... Anyway, so uh, the whole idea of AI creating like 90% of the content online, is that something that's been talked about? Oh, man, I thought I updated the uh, the headline before the show. Maybe it didn't take or whatever. We did cover that last night, but you're certainly welcome to cover oh. it. You're certainly welcome to comment. I mean, it's open phones here every night. So, um, yeah, we covered it quite a bit <laughs> last sure. night. What about it? Okay. Well, um, okay, so when I was in college, I took a... Uh, like a psych class on like logic. It was a logic course. Like you had like either statistical logic or um, uh, what do you call that? Um, I don't know. The, the uh, sociological or psychological statistics on determining what is true. Okay. Right. Like I, I, I took, I took the more scientific route. But anyways, um, I was really hungry for this idea about what is true. Like, how do we determine what is true? And I went through the course. I really appreciated the professor, although I disagreed with him politically. He was like kind of lefty. But um, at the end of it, I was like, well, okay, so how do we really determine what is true? Like, he went through the anatomy of an argument. Was you have a, a conclusion, which is backed up by uh, reasons, that, which is backed up by facts, like three parts. And or I'm like, okay, cool, we understand this, but what is true? And he's like, well, that's up to you. And I was so disappointed by that, if you hmm. can understand what what I'm saying, uh, because there really is no material or substantial uh, 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 answer for anyone. They have to individually, all of us have to individually determine what is true. Okay? Do you you, you follow me? Yeah, I would say that's um, a large portion of life is determining what is true. Yeah. It's an individual responsibility. Sure. And this, the, this, this fear that AI is generating all of this stuff and, and now it's going to be even more difficult for us to determine, it's no different. Whether it's a, 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 um, a result from an algorithmic procession of material generation or a consolidated result of material generation from our perspective individually it really doesn't matter right just i mean clarify. those were certainly a lot of words just to clarify what well, you're saying is let me see if i'm let me see if i'm following you here you're saying whether it comes from an ai that is generating its statements from things that humans have already said which is what ai is currently doing uh it's it's you know gobbling up all the data on the internet and then spitting it out when we ask it for it essentially or whether it's some other determination that humans make on their own it's all similar is that what 
you were getting at? Yeah, I, I would say it's very it, it's very similar, mm-hmm. and uh, it, the, the veracity of someone's claims is ultimately backed up by the facts. But you, ha- you as an individual, you either trust the source or mm-hmm. you don't. Yeah, and it would be unwise to just you know uh, prima facie trust. Source. Indeed, you should verify. And it doesn't matter if that source is uh, ChatGPT, which, as we've seen, has gotten uh, details incorrect in its answers, or whether that source is your mom or your dad or a teacher at a school or your best friend or whatever, you still, you know, you probably should verify yeah. the claims, right? But then again, you th- still, there's only so much verification you can do in life, right? Like you can, if you can't see it with your own eyes, at some point you have to believe someone. And even if you can it's see a, it with your own eyes, that doesn't necessarily mean that what your eyes told you is correct. It's real. That's true as well, yeah. Guys, it's a matter of triage is what I really want to get to. Okay. That uh, for some things that really affect our lives that we have to really pay attention to versus other things that are more tangential, we don't necessarily need to put that much energy into things that doesn't necessarily affect our lives. But those things that do financially, uh, I would say like, you know, predominantly economic decisions are the, the, the kind of decisions that we defer to the experts and they mess us up. So I, I would say with all of this discussion about AI uh, on determining what is true, it really comes down to what affects your life the most. And of those things that affect your life, you really have to pay attention to it. And there are no easy answers in life, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And I'll, I'll finish with this. I love you guys. And Ian, I, I wish you the best. Thanks, Tom. Appreciate the call tonight. Thank you for the thoughts. Uh, I can't say I disagree with him. I don't know how the subject of truth even got brought up into it, though. I think he was expressing that uh, with AI out there and all these technologies or whatever, like deep fakes, for instance, right? Like it's hard to know what's real. It's hard to know right. what is the truth out there uh, just by simply looking. As you said, even even if you see a thing... You know, like I mentioned the Bruce Willis, the Russian Bruce Willis ad where he's, you know, 40 years old. Obviously, he's not really there, but it's persuasive looking. It looks like he's there. So it's hard to even know with your own eyes what's real. Uh, That's because we can't. Everything is just a matter of belief. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is no truth in any direction. It's just uh, this is what I believe to be true. Therefore, I'm going to operate under the assumption that it is, but... There's nothing out there, there's nothing that we can do to actually prove that any of this is actually the way that it appears to be. Yeah, that's true. I, I, at least I think it is. Uh, if, if Bonnie were here, she'd be jumping all over you uh, <laughs> on that one. Uh, I mean, that's just the nature of reality, right? Like, I, I, all, The only way I can prove that what my eyes is telling me is true is with my eyes. Mm, and if yep, they're not reliable, right. then they're not reliable. And I have no way of demonstrating whether or not they are or are not reliable. Yep. Uh, we could go off down this road. I mean, it's an interesting road to go down. Uh, I, I, to, to not put words into Bonnie's mouth, I think she would take the position, as I understand it, that there is an objective truth. But again, the question well, there is, how, is. Do you, how do you prove what that is? But we have no way to study or measure it. Yeah, it's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, you can measure with your own experience or you can trust what somebody else's experience is. But in that case, you're just believing, right? Right. You're picking an expert.
and or I'm just believing my eyes. Mm-hmm. Or, but any of those things could be wrong, and I have no way of determining whether they are or aren't. So I mean, we know people are colorblind. I've got yeah. some color blindness. A lot of uh, a lot of men. I mean, there's plenty blind. of people who. I mean, pareidolia is a thing where you people see faces. All of these ghost. Most of these ghost television shows that you see they're like look we saw a ghost here and you, they they go and they study and they just say, oh no it was just a trick of the lighting or the shadows or whatever and it mm-hmm. created this thing yeah and but that, that there's still someone out there who believes they saw a face and we can never prove that they didn't sure and maybe they did maybe they did or maybe they did it doesn't matter but their eyes certainly told them they did and they formed their worldview based on what their eyes told them, just like mine told them. No, it was really a shadow. But neither of us can determine which one of us is 100% truly correct, because it's just a matter of my belief versus theirs. Yeah. What was it? Uh, was it Plato who said there are more things in the uh, heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy? There's things we don't understand yeah. that are out there right now that maybe someday we'll be able to become aware of and believe in you know whether it be bigfoot or aliens or some other dimension or whatever we have no idea we don't uh, some, and we and we can't know yeah and then some people have um out of body experiences and things like that which yeah. are also very interesting uh, people with near death experiences which are all very very similar even though some people don't even have uh, there's been studies on near death experiences with people yeah. who are like children they don't per se know about near death experiences so they wouldn't be able to relate them because they knew about them but they have them and they're all very, very similar. Is it just a trick of chemicals in the brain? Or is there something to the idea that your consciousness can exist outside of your own body? I don't know, but it's difficult for me because I don't believe in any of that, right? <laughs> I don't believe in souls or spirits or ghosts or afterlife or any of that. But like, I, I also don't think these people are liars. And I have yeah. no other way of explaining and some of these things. you've never had such an experience. Right. But how else do you explain something like all of these people who, from all of these different cultures, from all of these different timelines and backgrounds, having such similar experience, similar near-death experiences? Like, I can't. Indeed. But it is a uh, fascinating thing to study. It is. And that's significant that I can't explain it. But I don't have to be able to explain it. You know? I say, I don't know. It's 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 a fair thing to say. Yep. Uh, the number here, if you want to weigh in, is 603-283-6160. We do have time for you on Free Talk Live. 603-283-6160. A uh, little bit more here from the uh, the Navi fanatics who are, some of them were worried about what might happen to them if they go and see the sequel to Avatar. Uh, one of them here, Williamson, says, there's always a little bit of concern that it might trigger me again. I could see it being slightly less emotional in the sense that it is a return to Pandora, but since we're exploring new areas that we haven't seen before, it does still have that shock of the new, he says. I don't think I'll know it, or I don't think I'll know until I see it. As for Perrin, he's particularly excited about the linguistic implications of the new film, which could broach a new Navi dialect through the story's introduction of the Mitkaina clan, a group that lives alongside Pandora's reefs. So in the movie, there's a change of scenery. Uh, okay. ins- instead of being in the same forest where you spent the first most of the first movie, they move you to an ocean area. And that's basically the main thought, change. Yeah, I, I was under the impression that the entire planet was mostly forested. Yeah, so I don't know. 
I don't know, but I, I didn't, you know, study the history yeah. of this fictional world, right. right? Me neither. And I'm not opposed to someone doing that. If you're fascinated with the fictional world, sure, go ahead and study if you want. I think it's probably alarming if this tr- fantasy world can trigger you, as Indeed. these people used, but to each their own. He says, I didn't want a life that was free of problems. It was just that the problems of the world of Avatar seemed more overcomable than my own problems, Perrin says. Well, that's weird. Yeah, I mean, they were looking at total extinction of their planet based on, you know, these murderous humans coming in and, like, dropping bombs or whatever yeah. on them. I mean, what's, what problems was this guy <laughs> dealing with? I mean, Man, getting up on rough. time? Yeah. Were you having trouble going to work on time? I don't Girlfriend know. Girlfriend broke up with you? That's a bizarre thing to say. Yeah. In a bizarre way for this person to view the world. He reflected on his post-Avatar depression and his time before moving to Texas. He says, It's going to be a very introspective time for me. I don't think it's going to be as negative as a lot of people's first post-Avatar depression. It's going to be be more solemn, sentimental, and retrospective, he said. The peculiarity of his circumstances aren't lost on him. Most life trajectories aren't shaped by a single sci-fi blockbuster. But after finding a support system through Clutral, which is their Discord server, the way of water isn't just a long-awaited return to an alien world he loves. It's a hard-fought moment of triumph. Quote, I mean, good for them, I guess, but it's still, it's foreign to me to have this level of obsession with a, with a piece of cinema. Yeah. He says, this is a movie about blue space cats. There's a good portion of people that are like, Avatar 2, did we really need this movie? Yes. Yes, we did. He says. I mean, I never asked whether or not we needed the movie. I mean, if people want to watch the movie, certainly. It sounds like it was successful. So, yeah, I mean, sure. It was we, fun. We needed Avatar 2. But I, I'm avoiding the Final Fantasy 7 remakes, right? Like, these are remakes mm. of video games that came out. They've been coming out. I'm avoiding them for a number of reasons. Most of them philosophical. I, I don't think the games needed to be remade. They were fine as they were. It's just a cash grab by the company. And instead of releasing a single complete game, they're serializing they're doing it in multiple it parts. And, yeah, to make the most money possible off of it. And I don't think that they... Now, aren't they stretching it out, too? They like are they're also doing it? that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, they took this concise little story from the original run of the game and they turned it into something that's seven, eight, ten times longer. And to wow. me, that's just obnoxious. How many um, games have come out so far of Final Fantasy VII I believe re- just one. Remake? Oh, wow. Okay. I believe it is just the one This so is going to take some time then. Yes. And that's another reason Because that was like why, a couple years ago. Yes. That's another reason I'm wholly against it. Like, you want to get me with a complete story? Okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But... Video game companies in particular, they have a terrible track record of fulfilling any of these serial promises. Mm. Like, they've all done it. And I think Squaresoft or Square Enix, the company releasing Final Fantasy, has also done it where they've, we're going to release this game in four different parts, and the first part comes out, and then the second one is delayed, and the mm-hmm. third one just actually never comes. Never makes it. Yeah. It's happened over and over in the video uh, game a world. Disappointment. Maybe Square Enix will actually pull through for something as big as Final Fantasy VII, but... Each each iteration of the game is going to be a little bit less successful, a little bit less popular than the one before. You would think they'd have them ready to go, too. Like, if they really wanted to keep up the momentum. Like, I could yeah. see that working if it was, like, on a schedule. Okay, the first part's going to come out, and then the second part's coming out six months later, and then the third part's coming out six months later. That way you can keep hitting people. Well, then people get burned out, though. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no way for them to do, as far as I understand it, there's no way for them to do this in a way that's actually going to work. 
either they release a game every six months. And look, as much as I love video games, I'm not going to invest in a 200 hour video game every six months. Hmm. And no, that's, that's not a, how long these are, though, right? Only if you do all the side quests mm-hmm. and everything, right? But I mean, it's the size of a full RPG, so it's is a it? good, it's a good right. forty hours. So you've looked into it, then? Yeah, you've considered it. No, no, no. I was never <laughs> going to buy it, but okay. you know, I I was curious about what it is and how it works. Mm-hmm. And but it's just the length of a full game, and like that's a lot of time to invest in a single in a single game, and especially I a game you've played before and you right. know the plot. And I don't think they're going to find too many people who would be willing to dive back into that again every mm-hmm. six months. Mm-hmm. They'd get burned out on it. And I'd, if they space it out too much, people are going to get bored with it. They're going like, you know what? I don't actually need the tarpon. They're going to lose interest, move on to other things. And the company's going to move on to other things. To me, it was just mm-hmm. a bad idea. And I, I don't know why they did it except to milk people for as much money as they possibly can. And that is why I won't do it. But that's not avoiding it because I'm worried it's going to trigger me or because I'm worried it's going to upset me or because I'm so tied to the original story and the characters and I'm so in love with them that I just can't handle the sequel. No, it's just it has no interest to me. Mm. You know, at least the uh, movie industry can't get away with what the video game industry does. I mean, every now and then you'll see a re-release of a movie, uh, like a limited run. Uh, For instance, when uh, the movie Alien came out, uh, it was 1979. I wasn't alive yet, right? But, uh, But when it had its 40th anniversary... It came out in like a handful of theaters. They ran a special edition of this thing and they, they played it 40 years later. It's like, okay, I'll go. I'll buy a ticket to that. I'd like to yeah. see this on, on the big screen. And yeah, they re-released Avatar at one point. Uh, so people had another chance to go back and see that. But I, that's not quite the same thing. And it doesn't happen as often as you see in the video game industry where it's like, oh, we had a big hit here in 2005 with this Grand Theft Auto. Let's re-release it and repackage it and Oh, we'll throw in a little graphical upgrade and uh, call it a, a whole new $50 game. Yeah, there's no industry that's as corrupt and money-grabbing as the video game industry. They, they do that repeatedly. That's they, what I'm saying. It's all over the place. You pay $60 for a full-length game, and then they sell you DLC that they cut from the game on top of it. They, they deny this initially, but it's become widely accepted that, yes, they do, in fact, cut pieces of the game out that are finished and ready to go so they can re- so they can sell it to you later on some of this is even on the disc that they sell you and you still and they need just to unlock it they unlock it with the code that you and this is to prevent people from reselling the game or whatever mm-hmm. but it's it's still messed up they had this thing ready to go and they purposely left it out so that they could sell it to people later that is just so it seems so mercenary it is and if it's not that can you imagine paying twenty dollars to see a movie and then six months later they go oh, okay well we, we've Omitted the ending to the movie, we made it a little bit better. So for five bucks, we'll we'll let you see the next fifteen <laughs> minutes of the movie. Yeah, people would be insulted by that. And video games do it all the freaking time. Mm-hmm. Or oh, they get away with it. Or you're watching a or you're watching a movie. And it's like, hey, do you like this movie? Well, pay pay an extra three dollars, and we'll we'll upgrade the sound for you a little bit, like this DLC <laughs> right. that we have in video games. This is absolutely disgusting. It's mind boggling what yeah. video games are allowed to get away with. And people continue to buy it. Skyrim, That's the problem. Skyrim just released again. Oh my god! The one of the best selling RPGs of all time that everyone has, has a, already has played. Has there been a sequel since Skyrim? No. 
No, that's that's what I remember. That came out in like 2011. And the the owner or the president of the company, Bethesda, mm-hmm. yeah. is on the record as saying that the biggest problem they have with Skyrim, the biggest flaw, is that they can't continue to monetize. He's like, people are continuing to play Skyrim and they're streaming it and they're they're enjoying it. We're not making any money off of it. <laughs> Jeez. Like, well. That's Make the, a new game, dummy. That's the whole point, yeah. right? But no. Wow. Instead, they just released a new edition. That new edition. Amazing. And it's the same freaking game. Out of time for tonight. Back tomorrow. You can join us between now and then online in the meantime, freetalklive.com. Don't forget we got our own uh, Matrix chat server at chat.freetalklive.com and our social media, Mastodon, over at social.freetalklive.com. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on, joined the Free State Project, and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com.